just wait for all of our feeds to pick up. And we are live. All right. Welcome, everybody, to a special episode of UAP Studies Podcast Live. This is kind of impromptu, just the way we like it. Uh, my name is Louis Borges. Joining me as always, my good friend, Mr. Jason Gilmet. How are you? You know what? I'm doing really good. This is a this is a great way to spend a Thursday evening uh, with the boys and talking about uh, the recent news. Of course, talking about what Chuck's been up to, and I always like hanging out with you, so you know that's not a problem. But yeah, we got so many so many things to talk about. So it's going to be a great night. I got my coffee going, so absolutely. Let's do this. And yeah. uh, welcome again, our good friend Marquise Williams from Dimensions of Reality Podcast. Good to see you, brother. It is so good to be here. I'm excited. I'm really excited to be here. So and what's yeah. Up, man? And uh, we're going to toss the uh, toss the ball around with another good friend of ours and a good friend of the show. He's been on, I don't know, three or four times now, Chuck. Uh, Chuck Zukowski, welcome to our live event. Well, thank you very much. You know, I always enjoy doing this type of podcast. You guys are really good uh, hosts. You, know, you, get some, you get some hosts that just, they take over, you know, and they talk about themselves. You actually let me talk. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're all about. So thank you. That's great feedback, man. Really, it is. Yeah. That's the whole point oh, yeah. of doing this show. So we wanted to sort of catch up with you. I know the last time we chatted with you, you were just starting to do um, um, a cattle mutilation investigation in Colorado. Now, right. is this the one that was in Aguiar County? Yes. Yes. Yeah? Okay. Uh, actually, I have to go back over to my uh, um, over to my website because uh, actually, anybody that wants to see any of this stuff, just go to my website, ufonut.com. You see it all there. And yep. you're right, Aguilar, Colorado, it was uh, actually uh, sitting on the 37th parallel, which is kind of interesting. A lot of my mutilation cases are in that area. Yeah. So tell our uh, audience a little bit about that. And obviously, you're a big proponent. You've done lots of work regarding the 37th parallel. So what is it? Why is it significant? And why all the weird stuff? Well, first, I'm going to... Uh... Yeah, man. It's evening program. And everyone at home, everybody watching, feel free, sit back, crack a cold one. Oh, I tell you, that's what I really like about this, you know, this particular program, because uh, I'm really relaxed when I'm talking with you guys, which, you know, it tells me you guys are really good hosts. You know, when you, when you talk to people and, and you feel uneasy or, you know, you're hesitant about saying something. Um, no, not with you guys. I always look forward to this. Uh, you know, mutilations, the 37th parallel, I mean, uh, there was a book written about it back in 2016 called The 37th Parallel. Uh, it was written by Ben Mezrick. And uh, I still stay in touch with him. And then uh, Bo Flynn from Flynn Pictures Production, who who helped get the, the movie rights for New Line Cinema Warner Brothers. Uh, I just talked to Bo just the other day via email. Every now and then he'll just catch up. Bo Flynn from Flynn Pictures Production does all the Dwayne Johnson movies. Oh wow! So, yeah, he's, oh. yeah, he's not a TV producer. He's a so he's fan. gonna play you in your autobiography. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's like the picture we got for tonight's show. I got you with like a machine gun and pipes. <laughs> Looks like Rambo. the Terminator. Yeah, it was really Rambo. cool. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, um, what it was was I used the uh, like a SWAT vest or tactical vest, and um, and then I had a lot of my stuff, you know, on on the vest for those cases or for those times where you know, you just got to get out on your own. You, you know, you're in an area where you need your hands, your arms, you, you can't be carrying anything, but you still want to take, uh, you know, the guider counter, EMF meter, and, and a few other little gadgets, you know, digital recorder, night vision camera, stuff like that. All that was hidden in the vest, along with a 40 caliber, I think. Uh, but yeah, those are for those cases where you're out on your own, and you really don't have, a, uh, you know, a, a lot of 
opportunity to carry out your your gear in the background. I've got just tons of gear, and I got more gear in the shed outside, you know, pertaining to cattle mutilations and Bigfoot and stuff. So you can get kind of loaded down with this. So, so the 37th parallel with, with Bo Flynn, every now and then he'll just check up, see what's going on. He's a, a UFO fan. Um, interesting thing about Bo Flynn, how many people out there have seen The Sandlot? It's one of my favorite baseball movies. Oh, yeah, that's seen? awesome, man. I don't think that I have. Awesome. No. Oh my gosh. Uh, dude, he, so what good. is it? The Sandlot? Sandlot. Sandlot. It's a classic. Oh. It's a classic. Classic. Classic yeah. baseball yeah. movie. It brings you right back to your childhood. Yeah. Uh, at least it does with me because we used to play, uh, you know, baseball in the sand lot all the time because we never had access to it. That's why hockey, hockey, baseball. Yeah. We totally, play totally baseball different. at a sand lot, but it's hard to play with you and your buddy because he pitches the ball, you crank it, and then something <laughs> happens. <laughs> well, we used to play street hockey when I lived in Missouri. We played a lot of street hockey. And I used to get my mom mad at me because, uh, you know, I call them church shoes, you know, your black, nice, low Good shoes. Polish. Yeah. And I would use those because we couldn't afford, well, we didn't have roller skates. And and uh, and even when we played on the ice ponds, I would wear my church shoes because I couldn't afford, you know, ice skates. But we're out there, you know, it's funny as hell, you know, you're all dressed up and you're wearing these really nice looking shoes and, <laughs> and all ratty clothes, but it's fun. Well, Bo Flynn married Wendy Peppercorn from San Juan. So uh, one of these days, uh, I'll be able to meet his wife. I go, oh, Wendy Peppercorn. That, if anybody remembers Sam, she was the, the lifeguard. Yeah. But yeah, yep. The, the 37th parallel. Uh, so, you know, basically, you know, that's, it's a theory that I'm still working on because there's still a lot going on. Uh, matter of fact, uh, about three months ago, uh, I just, I actually found it yesterday, but someone had released a video on the 37th parallel, some other website. They did a really good job about eight minutes, you know, um, trying to debunk it and doing other things. And they said, oh, this stuff, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on here. So, so picture the 37th degree latitude going across the United States, lower part of Colorado, upper part of New Mexico. And on this latitude um, is just a lot of interesting things like Area 51 and just, you know, Taos, New Mexico, Delta, New Mexico. We've had a lot of mutilations on the 37th. And, and there's a lot of underground bases. There's a lot of UFO sightings. There's a lot of Native American ancient sites. It's just a pretty cool, you know, um, area. Now, as I learned over the years of being, and about 35 years I've been doing this, I've learned that there's UFOs have got routes and all over the U.S., different places they go and stuff. The 37th parallel or the 37th degree latitude is basically like a turnpike. It goes east to west. And we get a lot of activity on that turnpike. And then from there, they exit north or south. But it always seems like, you know, they, they get back and they get a lot of the sightings is really interesting, too, for people out here that track UFOs. You know, they may be traveling north to west, but when they jet out, they'll go east to west. Or, you know, they'll be going north to south and then they jet out, go east to west. Or, the, you know, or people, a lot of people see them go east to west. A lot of water, you know, underground aquifers. Uh, and, and there's a lot of other things, too, that pertain to the 37th. Um, ties into another one of my uh, uh, theories about hydrogen, where I believe that maybe hydrogen is being used as a, as a power source. Why? Well, it's really easy to get hydrogen from water. Um, and it's uh, really easy to get hydrogen also from any one of our petroleum-based products. And, and when they extract hydrogen from petroleum-based products, they'll create an EM field. 
electromagnetic field, like like we pick up and or they pick up in the Skinwalker Ranch, and and we actually have our own Skinwalker Ranch just about thirty miles from my house out here in Colorado. At the Lee Ranch, which is about five miles from my house in Black Forest, so there's a lot of Skinwalker Ranch isn't the only place in the U.S. that has all this activity. You know, the TV show kind of makes it look that way, but no, they're all over the place. Georgia, a couple places, three places out here in Colorado, San Luis Valley. Then you have the Bradshaw Ranch, of course, Sedona, all kinds of places. So, Elbert County Ranch, too, as well, I believe. Exactly, exactly. So, um, so those places where we can pick up high levels of EMF, we also find out that there's water sources nearby and and petroleum, uh, you know, uh, reserves nearby which hydrogen can be extracted from. They can't get hydrogen from our atmosphere because it's uh, oxygen, nitrogen. So the only hydrogen they get it from is from oil reserves or water. And that makes sense with a lot of the water sightings too. And and, uh, every one of my animal mutilations uh, cases, the animals are dead near a water source. Okay, that would have to make sense anyway or else the cows would, would die of thirst. But it always seems to be that there's a stream nearby or pond or something. What, uh, and, and, Chuck, like, and Chuck, just, just so we know, what would you say the percentage out of 100? Like out of 100 cases, how many of them would be near water? 99.99. I mean, oh, wow. my cases, every one of my cases. And even the cases in Oregon that happened in March and the cases in Texas, uh, as far as I know, when I originally was able to talk to the deputy in charge of of investigating the cases before they shut me out completely. Uh, whatever reason, they went dark with that case. I kind of have an idea of why, uh, but uh, they won't, they're not talking to anybody about those, you know, five or six or even seven animals that mutilated in Texas, yeah. but they were near water sources too. Hmm. And, and uh, I had a, a really nice opportunity right after it happened uh, before the press inundated the Port Sheriff's Department because it went international. Then I got about 45 minutes of an interview with the actual deputy who did the, the investigations. And uh, I guided her to my website and showed her the case I had just done in Oregon uh, and how the, the animal looked with the pictures and, and everything. And, and she said it was identical to my Oregon case that you know that happened literally four days before the Texas case. These things happen in, uh, oh, in, in groups, the two and three and, uh, the Aguilar uh, case that just happened uh, in June, there was a case right before it, about a week before, where a rancher had found uh, one of his animals was dead, but he was on vacation. And it, it, even though it looked like it could have been mutilated, it was undetermined because, you know, he had been a couple of few days before he got to the animal because he was on vacation. But we, we still made a note about it. It was at the general proximity, you know, within a few miles of the of the case, the Aguilar case. So that makes sense. That here's another case where you have two or three animals, and I say two or three because a lot of these animals, um, majority of them are free grazing animals. So, um, you know, uh, ranchers may not even know the animals dead until they go check up on them, yeah. because they are free grazing. It depends on how much, you know, how how many animals you have in the herd. It's pretty interesting. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned hydrogen and Jay Burke in the chat room said that hydrogen is the most abundant element in the universe. So it would make sense. And mm-hmm. uh, also Martin McLean wants to ask you a question uh, out of your 30 plus years of doing this type of research, what is the most interesting 
case that you've uh, that comes to mind? Do you have one that stands out? Um, that's a really, really good question. Actually, a couple of them uh, stand out just because as an investigator, um, it, it was a few years before I actually experienced something I was investigating because investigators, we investigate other people's sightings. But I was doing an investigation, almost probably about 10,000 feet up elevation in Ure, Colorado, on top of a mesa. And it was a, a, a Bigfoot. I was doing a Bigfoot investigation. You know, a lady I was uh, I, I was meeting there, she had a radio show, Psychic. Um, not that I'm not into psychics or into psychics, you know, I'm, I'm analytical, I, but still there's, you know, uh, you know, the possibility. And, but it was a good five hour drive to get to this lady's house. She's completely off the grid. And we went to this remote area where she said the Bigfoot were going to come out and meet us. Now, that's what I was skeptical about, you know. But the interesting thing that what happened was it turned out to be a UFO event, something completely unknown or even, you know, farthest from, from our minds, you know, about 9.30, quarter to 10, around, you know, at night we're on top of this mesa and I had a, a, a little bit of a, a camp out there with a, you know, a heater going and a couple of lawn chairs. Of course, we're out in the middle of nowhere. And she was with my friend, Joe Fex, who was a Bigfoot investigator. And she started just panicking. She goes, you know, she goes, something's not right. Something's not right. I, I, something's, and, and then Joe looks at me and I'm standing about 30 yards away in the middle of, a, of an opening with a, with a camera, you know, just kind of waiting to see if anything pops up. And he says, Chuck, you see those lights coming from the trees? And I go, well, and we were above the aspens. So we were up where the pines are. We were so far up in elevation. And I said, I think so, because I, you know, I wear contacts and it's a little hard. And so, you know, I, I took my night vision uh, camera up and I could see the flashes. I went, oh my God, what's going on? You know, and these lights are coming, flashing through the trees. I went, what the hell? So, you know, I turned on the camera to hit record and the battery went dead, just like that. Now, this happens a lot in, in high paranormal areas where there's probably a large EM field and it just, uh, just, takes your battery out. So we go, oh shit, oh shit, okay. I run over to my truck, I get a, my other two backup batteries, I start my truck up, okay? Because I don't want the battery in my truck to go dead. <laughs> so that truck's just sitting there idling. And I go back and I, I turn on the camera again and out, just dead. And then so, okay, so I put the third battery in it, it's my last battery. Okay, I'm thinking, okay, what do I do, what do I do? What do, I do? They said, well, if I go to snapshot mode, Maybe I can get one snapshot, maybe a picture rather than a video of this, because the video might be consuming more current, you know, you know, um, you know, same voltage, but maybe more, you know, amps, milliamps. So I put it on snap mo snapshot mode. I got one picture and then it went dead. So it's a picture and it shows this beam of light coming down and a couple other flash. And that was it. And so by that time, the psychic was just just going crazy. We're all going to die. We're all going to die. No one's going to find us. We're going to be dead, you know. And she was like foaming at the mouth, you know, going crazy. So I put her in the truck. Truck's running. I lock the doors. I keep the keys because I don't want her to drive away. <laughs> and, and we go, okay, you know, we better start packing up and get the witness out of here. Now, you know, protocol when you're with an eyewitness or you or or you have a team with you, uh, protocol always is the safety of your eyewitness or your team first. When I go out by myself. I'll go a little further beyond that protocol, but you know, you know, you have to protect the people that you're with. 
So I said, okay, we're gonna blow out. So we started packing up our stuff, throwing the back of my truck, and we hear this horrific scream, like, like it was like a large moose or something. And it was running, it was getting louder and louder, running towards us, coming from the woods. And it was being chased by something, but it was scared the way it was. I've never heard anything like that. It was so scary. It didn't sound like a Bigfoot. It sounded more like an animal in distress. And I kid you not, this is actually in the first chapter of the, of the 37th parallel, because it's such a good story, was right in the middle of a yell, like, Rah! just dead silence. Something got a hold of it, just killed it. And it was big, whatever it was, because I could feel the sound vibrating off my chest, and it was that close. And I live here in Colorado, and I've done elk hunting before. I've never shot an animal. You know, I've had it on my sights, but I, I couldn't yeah. pull, I couldn't bear the pull trigger, so I never did. But my son and I actually walked up on a moose and we walked up on elks and they're ginormous. They're horses, basically, the size of a horse. So this thing was big coming towards us and something took it down and killed it. And it was dead silence after that. And then all these little sparky lights that were coming from the, from the woods just went out. And it was completely just dark. And I looked at my buddy, Joe Fex, who wears glasses, you know, and his eyes are bigger than the glasses. And... And I go, you know, Joe, I, I'm wearing a 40 caliber Glock 22 on my hip. Whatever took that animal down, this gun isn't going to help us at all. And I said, we just hightailed it out and got out of there. So there are cases like that where, you know, you get involved in something where uh, you least expect it. And you really you put yourself in harm's way a lot of times, too, when you're out in the middle of nowhere. And we were, we were at least 25, 30 miles from the closest house. We were on a on a ranch road out in the middle of a you know a mesa, you know, 10, 11,000 feet up. So that was a good, a good. I'll never forget that. That was a fun one. That was just, fun. I just want yeah, to give a quick shout out to uh, everybody in our uh, chat room so far. We got Jimmy the Earthling, Defense by Design, Jay Burke, Martin McLean. Uh, we also have Sage Scanning, Lars Janssen, Digger Dog. And uh, I think that is it for now. I think I'm all caught up. So you guys go ahead. Any thoughts on that crazy uh, story? I from have Chuck? lots of thoughts. Are you I mean, what do you even <laughs> say to that? How do you how do you sleep <laughs> at gosh. night after going through that? Or how do you have a serious conversation with somebody who's like, yeah, I don't believe in that shit. And you yeah. know what you've seen and experienced. Like, how do you deal with skeptics and debunkers? Well, you know, the thing is, is and you're exactly right. So the thing is, is for me as an investigator, and I've, I've learned to do this over the years. When I first started doing this, it was like I was doing it for everybody else. And then I realized I really got to do it for myself. And then, and then I just share. And when you, when you do it for yourself, it really doesn't matter what you know, skeptics or debunkers say because I was there and I experienced it. And I joke with you know, some of the, the debunkers, all, how do we know you're not lying? I tell you what, you know, give me $600. We'll get a polygraph. We'll run it. We'll see if I'm lying or not. You put up the 600, you know, and, and, yeah. I, and I'll be right there. And I guarantee I'm going to pass that polygraph test. So that's one thing I always say is, uh, you know, everything I've been telling you, it's been doing this 35 years. So I've seen some really crazy stuff. July 3rd, 2016, my sister and I were lecturing in Roswell. And uh, uh, it was a Sunday night. We went out at night to, just to mess around with our night vision and, it was a beautiful moon, you know, moonless night. So it was a, 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 you know, new moon. So it was dark. You could see the Milky Way. And we were probably about, I don't know, maybe 60, not even 60, probably about 
55 or so miles, just under an hour away from Roswell, out in the middle of this remote area where I had done an investigation on a UFO sighting and also on the Roswell Rock. And as soon as we, we pulled out this little road on the side of the, uh, on, a, on a little ranch road turnout, um, and I was facing east to west because I pulled my truck sideways to face the street, I saw a flash of light. And I didn't think much about it because here in Colorado, we do get meteorites that come directly towards you and you don't see the tail just because of our you know, latitude. So, okay, there's a flashlight, no be. And so I'm just sitting down and, you know, talking to my sister and I was joking with her. I said, check this out. I just got some new lights, driving lights for my truck and I have a remote. And so for away from the truck, I can turn the lights on the truck for whatever reason. And I said, but it's stupid. It's got a strobe mode. Who would ever want a strobe mode? I was joking about that. So I hit the strobe mode and it went flash, 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 flash. Immediately, about 40 degrees up in front of me, I got two flashes responding to that. I kid you not, I swear. So all of a sudden, this is this nothing's up there because it's a it's a new night, it's dark. I, I and you can't you can see for miles because you can see the Milky Way, it's beautiful, but there's nothing blocking the stars or anything. But I got this flashback. And so my sister says, do it again, do it again. <laughs> okay. So I strolled the lights again. And immediately I got a response, two flashes coming from the sky. Hmm. And I said, okay, we have to stop for a second, give it a couple of minutes in case it's a strobe. And we did, we waited like four minutes. Then I hit it again and immediately I got a response. I went, okay, what the hell's going on? I ran and I had to unload my night vision binoculars. I'm looking everywhere. And I'll, I'll make this story real quick though. Bottom line is I flashed a couple more times and nothing. But that wasn't the beginning of it. <laughs> I mean, that or the end. That was just the beginning of it. I'm getting caught up with myself. I get excited. It's such a good story. So my Ram 1500, all you had to do is touch the door handle and the light come on, right? Well, it's about 20 feet away from me at this point because we went away from the truck and we're kind of looking in the, in the sky and stuff. And all of a sudden, the cows started mooing and coyotes. It just... It went from silent to just extreme chaos. Everything was just going on. And then my truck lights went on. And I'm going, what the hell? And I'm looking, did something just touch my truck? I mean, why did my truck lights just come on? I know now what was going on, but, um, but the lights came on. And I'm going, holy shit. Okay. So, then I, you know, my sister and I just like looking around going, okay, what's going on? And the lights went off and, and every uh, noise died down and a car drove by. And because we were about maybe 40 feet or so away from the two lane highway and a car drove by real slow watching us. And I told my sister, you can ask my sister, Debbie Ziegelmeyer. She's the uh, on the board directors for MUFON and she's a uh, uh, MUFON state director. So you can. Yeah, she's very well known. I was surprised she was your sister, actually. I yeah, saw you guys in you a picture. I'm like, about I know this. She'll yeah, tell you, I'll tell you exactly the same thing. And I forget, but I, as the car went by, I said, Debbie, what, what's that truck doing? Sold out. She goes, that's not a truck. That's a car. I said, that's a truck. I own a truck. That's what I you know what a truck looks like. It goes, it's a car. So, anyway, we were debating that. And it went down probably an eighth of a mile or so. And it pulled off on another ranch road. And it stopped. And I had my night vision there, uh, night owl night vision binoculars. And I swung it over. And it looked like a male figure got out 
closed the door and he kind of just stood there with his hands crossed, just watching us. And um, my sister's a little bit, Debbie's a little bit of an intuitive. And, you know, she, you know when I'm with my sister, she says, we got to go, we go. And I don't even second guess her. She's my older sister. Mm -hmm. So uh, she said, we should blow out of here. And I said, I agree. And we blew out. So whatever we saw, whatever responded to my headlights, who the hell that vehicle was that went by that, that I thought was a truck, it was a car and it pulled off and there was somebody watching us, you know, um, just crazy, crazy night. So you do have some nights like that where I wish I could totally explain it, but you know, um, I, you know, I can't, it's just, you know, it's just, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's one of those fun, you look back at now going out, it's pretty cool. But at the time you were like, shit, <laughs> What's going to happen next? <laughs> no, but so you, you, got, you, oh, sorry, Marquise, go ahead. No, I, I apologize. You, you got, listen, keep in mind, you guys have had two episodes with this man. I've never, this is the first time I got to no, ask. Oh, yeah, no, that's please, right. Go you, uh, go this ahead. is an introduction. Marquise, Chuck, Chuck, <laughs> this is our friend Marquise. Hi, Marquise. Chuck, Marquise a was a fan and an aspiring <laughs> podcaster, had loads of talent. We put him on our show. Now he's got his own show and he's killing yeah. it. So I, I tell people. He said he had loads of talent. You mean he has? Uh, no, he had uh, uh, loads of untapped no, talent, and now oh, he has loads of tapped talent. Oh, I just Keep got to put you on the spot. That's all. When he I wasn't even a loads. diamond in the rough. He was yeah, already a yeah. paid voice actor. He was like <laughs> already good to go. He just needed to I'm get just, a chance. I just messed him with it. <laughs> so, yeah, quickly, when I first – I still to this day give people – like, Louis is the reason why I'm doing this in the first place. I would have been behind camera creating videos with just my voice. I never would show my face. If it wasn't for him, now I'm doing live shows 30 hours a week um, wow. on top of the weekend show that I do on the, on the weekend. So like, this is literally, it, it all sparked from him telling me, get out of your comfort zone, That's get right. on camera and do it. And I, here I am. But um, <laughs> listen, that was, that was amazing. And it, hearing it from somebody in my, you know, again, I feel like you have enough leg in the game to, to have credibility here. So to me, that's, this is a big deal. This is a personal firsthand account of, what we would call a close encounter or whatever you want to call it. I'm curious about what your perspective is on the phenomena. My biggest question to all of the people that are involved with this, what is their perspective? Because it's conflicting among every single researcher. Some believe that the phenomena is all good and anything bad is the government. Some people believe that there's a mix between good and bad. And then other people believe that they're all demons and here to steal our souls. What is your perspective on that spectrum? <laughs> <laughs> No, that's what mother-in-laws and ex-wives are for. <laughs> oh, that was fast. Where's my oh, drum? That was fast. Oh, man. That was, that was clever. Oh, man. Uh, well, you know, I, I, I have to say I've been in love with the same woman for over 42 years. Just don't tell Amen. my wife. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because, um, you know, I'm different, though, and I've always been different. Uh, anybody that's read the 37th Peril that was written by Ben Mesrick, know that I talk about my mom had an experience when she was a little girl. She actually saw Grace. My aunt okay. uh, saw Grace when, you know, later on when she was married and, and my three cousins were in the back of her car and they were traveling from Long Beach to uh, uh, California to Arizona out in the middle of the night. So as long as I can remember, I've always had a fascination with UFOs or, or the paranormal. And um, what I used to go to, to like, well, it's called catechism, you know, after elementary school, 
Catholic bus would pick you up and take you to the church and they teach you, right. you know, stuff from the Bible. I later found out that all that was was just babysitting because both my parents worked. Yeah. So they needed a place for me to go. That's <laughs> where I went. <laughs> Pretty but, sure it's still like that for most parents. <laughs> it still probably. Is. But it's, uh, but I used to get in trouble all the time and I'll never forget that. And uh, I, the, the nuns and the sisters would say something and I would say, no, it's bigger than this. You know, rah, 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 you know and they're pointing yeah. the scripture or whatever, right? I'm going, no, it's bigger. I can't tell you why. But it's bigger, and I've always known that that it's it's bigger than what we see and what we experience daily. There's more to life here on this planet than than you know than we know, and uh, and over the years I've I've experienced some things where you know it solidifies that thought process. Now as for aliens being benevolent or big, I carry a gun all the time. That's just that's the bottom <laughs> yeah. line. You know I can't tell you. I've heard horror stories. I've heard good stories. I've seen pictures of, of how things went sour. You know, um, a lot of times I carry again just because I'm out in the middle of nowhere and there's mountain yeah. lions. Or, yeah. I mean, one time in uh, Anza Barango in California, I was circled by a pack of coyotes when oh, I was man. away from my vehicle. And uh, I mean, they were coming at me. I didn't even know they were there because oh, I was out sky watching an area where there was UFO sightings. And I turn on my flashlight and I'm surrounded. You know, it's, it's oh, like Lion King, you know, when you had a pack yeah. of honey surround you. That's how it was oh, with geez. me, it was coyotes. And I just, uh, I found a weakest link, you know, that, that one dopey coyote that's kind of like walking around, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he was my mark. And uh, I grabbed my flashlight, started swinging and screaming and yelling. And I, I, I ran oh, right man. through that guy and I didn't stop running until I, I got to my vehicle. <laughs> wow. Since then, I always carry California. You know, it's hard to carry a gun in California. But when I moved out here to Colorado 24 years ago, you know, it's a little bit easier. And then I was a reserve deputy for eight years and I have a concealed carry permit. So I know how to use a gun. I, I must have shot over 5,000 rounds, you know, when I was a deputy. But um, I would never go out alone without it, not only because of the predators, but because of the unknown. Right. You know? right. Um, and uh, animal mutilations. Uh, I don't know how I did it or how I got the title, but I'm the leading animal mutilation investigator in the United States. Wow. Linda Moulton, how yeah. used to be. She's more of an investigative journalist. She kind of out right. there a little bit. Christopher O'Brien used to be. He's not out there as much. People come to me now. And uh, uh, I just acquired it, but I have seen pictures of human mutilations. So oh, that's that's the one that yeah, and, and see yeah. that's the one we should focus on a bit because I know that recently they're you know they're talking in the news about have there been any deaths related to these entities and humans yeah. and you know Grush alluded to the fact that yeah there's been some casualties even though they say that there's no medical effects supposedly with UAPs and people. And that's total BS. There is major effects that people have medically from Absolutely. either being close to the crafts or having an encounter with these things. Uh, it forms over time, but they're weird diseases. And, you know, it's it's not just a fluke. You get actually sick. But, Chuck, you and I once had a conversation, uh, actually, because I had read the 37th Parallel, and that's how I discovered you first, is buying this book at the used bookstore. 
reading the story didn't find out this guy's freaking real so <laughs> i had reached out to you and I, we had just started the podcast and at the time it was just me so i had begged you like could you please come and talk to me you're like yeah sure but this guy's the coolest guy ever and you've been our friend ever since of course um but i always thought about that because you always talk about you know the the deaths um that have happened in, in this situation now are we in your experience, are we looking at the same sort of steps of what happened to this cattle? Like, is it organs that are missing or they're just weird bodies found in weird situations? No, actually, it was the, the two cases that I that I heard of. Now, you have to understand when a human is involved, it's a homicide. And, and, and until they find the person who committed the homicide, sometimes there'll be a gag order. The judge will put a gag order on it and seal the files. You know, because it's not, it's, it's still an open case. Hmm. And when you hear about humans possibly being killed due to UFOs or whatever, it's really hard to talk to relatives and friends because this is a human death. Now, it's it's a lot different. Cows, you know, it's easier talking to ranchers and, you know, about their livestock. Although I've, I've had one rancher in tears because he lost four or five animals at one point, at one time. Wow. And um, and so, you know, even though they raise them for other things, it's part of their family. So especially horses, you know, all, you know when you lose a horse, it's, it's, a, it's your pet. So it's really difficult uh, when you when you hear about new cases to have, uh, you know, involving humans. One was in Tennessee, one was in Canada. And I uh, and I read reports, but I didn't read the sheriff's reports. I just read reports from, you know, the local people there. And they just have to kind of take their word for it. We do know. Um, it has happened before. I don't know if it was Peru or Brazil or, you know, where it actually made the papers something uh, uh, near a reservoir. So, you know, you just have to, I can't guarantee that the same people or the same things that are killing the cows were responsible for this. But, you know, like Staten Freeman used to say, you, you still have to be open-minded about it. Right. You can't just brush it off. You have to leave everything open just in case you know you don't want to put yourself in, in that type of predicament you know predicament i i stopped doing abduction investigations because well it, it became a liability as as we went further on but um it turned out to be more liability yourself because if you're doing an, uh, an active abduction investigation you may become noticed and you may, you know, because you may be a new person of interest to whoever's, you know, doing the abducting. So yeah. uh, you can put yourself in harm's way yeah. a bunch of ways and a bunch of different yeah. times. But, yeah, scary I stuff. Think, I think what they've never come and picked me up is that, you know, how annoying I would be. I'm such a fan. This is, oh yeah. my God. They already picked you up, brought you back, yeah, cleaned your memory, and they're like, not, not doing that again. Well, pick that guy say, up again. Yeah. I, I, I got to tell you, I got to tell you real quick, though, you know, as an investigator, you always have that, that thought. What happens when I come face to face? How am I going to react? What am I going to do? Of course, it's all, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to, you know, course, hi, yeah. you, you know, blah, 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 you know. You know, uh, first question, why are you here? You know, or whatever. Um, the reality is that's not what that's not what's going to happen. You know, it's what's going to happen is going to be what's going on at the time of this, you know, the circumstances involved, where you're going to be on it up. Yeah. I had, you know, I mentioned Joe Fex, who's a good friend of mine, who was a Bigfoot investigator, still is, more of a researcher now. 
here's a person who met the thing that he was investigating in Tennessee. Um, he came almost like almost face to face with a Bigfoot. And you talk to him now, he'll talk a little bit about it, but like for three or four years, he was off the lecturing circuit. He was done. He he mm. he couldn't talk. He kind of I, I we bailed him out of jail once. I had to make a payment on his car. He lost his job, you know, the whole bit just because it really, really affected him mentally because he came face to face to what he investigates. So, and I'm sure he's had those thoughts before because he knew exactly what he was going to do. It's not the case. Yeah. So, in fact, yeah. somebody in our chat, 1971 Marduk says that Barney Hill had a gun on him when his experience happened and, and there's not a damn thing yeah. he could do with it, right? Like if something is that much more advanced than us and it's, it's doing what it's doing to you, you're not reaching yeah. for a gun. Everything yeah. you think is going to happen is well, not. You're you're not doing at that point. You're being done, so to speak. Right. I got to tell you real quick. It's, it's a really cool story because in Georgia, when I was um, investigating a, a cattle mutilation case in Georgia, the rancher told me that um, that me and his wife were the only ones that he told. I told him it's okay if I talk about it in the future. So yeah, just don't mention my name. But he didn't tell the sheriff that investigated. He lost a bull. And the next night, he thought for sure it was someone trespassing on his property. So he went there on his, on his ATV with a gun in one hand and a flashlight or spotlight on the other. And off in the distance, he saw something running across. He hit it with the spotlight, and I'm getting chills even talking about this story because I can hear his voice when he was telling me he was shaking. You could hear in his voice that he was shaking and hesitating while he was telling me the story. Uh, he saw great. And what did he do? He was so focused on the flashlight, he dropped his gun. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah and, um, and he yeah. said, I lost my gun. I had to go back the next day to look for it because the, the weeds were high and stuff. But he was so focused looking at was off in the distance is he lying? Is, is he telling the truth? You know, um, there was also that um, that incident. I, you, know, you guys would probably know better, this better than I can. But I think it was in Kentucky, uh, that family in the 1950s that uh, were attacked over the night. Yeah, by they, these strange they shot at them. They yeah, shot at them. the whole yeah. night they would shoot them yeah. at point blank range fighting. and it did nothing to them. They would just no. bounce off and come back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. These ones, it was a strange case because obviously the description of the entities is different. I've never it's heard that different. description. Yeah, almost Jacques like Belay, a, I mean, Jacques yeah. mentions that the phenomena has appeared in many different. This is kind of where and I wanted to mention this to you, Chuck. Um, I've had two abduction experiences myself and that when you talk about what someone will do the first time I met it with curiosity because I just saw the craft. And, mm -hmm. and, and when I encountered when I saw the, the craft. I, I keep when I look back at it now, I wonder why didn't why did I react the way that I did? Like, why did I even think with curiosity versus being like, oh, my gosh, there's a freaking UFO in the backyard. Right, the right. second time I saw the beings and I was paralyzed and it was more like like you want to move, but you whatever part of your brain is connected to your body moving. It's not there's no connection. You can't even do anything. And there's this other effect where I felt like I was in a bubble, like there was this like all around me, the area that I was in, like I was in a, uh, I was there everywhere, like, you know, physically there, but it just felt different. Like I was in a bubble. That's the best way I can explain it. And when I saw them, there's another effect that your brain, like, this isn't supposed to happen. You're not right. supposed to be able to walk through doors. You're not supposed to be able to, you know, to hover. Those things are not supposed to exist. 
like those things, those thoughts go through your mind and it, it furthers the, it feels like that you're giving them more and more power, the more you realize how bizarre the experience is. And so the idea that you're going to be able to fight back, you're just so, you're just so consumed by the experience itself. You can't do anything. You're paralyzed. Now, did you notice any type of like, like a light or, you know, like a soft light or a different color light or anything? If I were to, experience? when I look back and think about it, the only thing that I can think of was I would say that maybe there was like a bluish tint to like everything around me. And I honestly know that's another question nobody's ever asked me. There was like a bluish tint. But even more interesting to me was the fact that they were they were like robots. They just like their arms were down by their sides. They weren't walking. They were hovering. And they just like, you know, and then when they talked to you in their my head, when they talked to you in my head, they were like this close to my face. Which is even more unsettling. It's like, why you gotta get this close to my face to tell me? <laughs> You're already inside always, of my head. Oh. I always ask the abductees about the light because um, there's a theory that um, that the light, the light waves, the type of light uh, that that's around you is is what yeah. controls, helps control you, keeps you in this oh, calming man. state. And of course, yeah. our military has been, been, you know, working with sound waves and light waves for years. So it's not anything that's that's really crazy, but it's the same thing, you know, where you know it's either like a bluish or a greenish type of of a tint of a light, but it seems to just not encompass the person, but to be a you know around them in enough in the area, yeah. in the area, and and whether or not you know you actually is are you surrounded by it or do you just assume that it's just in front it's it's really hard to say i thought that maybe maybe there was a light on like a an ambient light in the kitchen or something like that i didn't really when i look again i'm looking back now we're talking right, 10 years right. ago and you don't think but, about that yeah. at the time no 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 the only thing but i, I thought about it. was that feeling of a bubble and then they're not supposed to be here like i think this happened this, before though, yeah so that what i've learned over the years of my investigations uh, a lot of the true uh, good UFO events, the light that emits from, that's emitting from the UFO itself, does not reflect. Does not. Okay, so that. the blue, the light that I saw was so bright. It was the first time I saw the craft, and they were shooting a straight, solid beam into the ground that coned outwards. It like coned out, and it was just like looking in the grass, which was. What are you looking for in the grass, right? And and then when I saw it and I pulled peel back the curtains, I saw that I thought it was cars because it light was just so bright. I thought a bunch of cars were beaming lights into the window. Come to no, find you out, you said it was, it was so bright, right? Yeah. Were, yeah. were you doing this? Were you squinting, or were you just? It was right? like I didn't have any. I don't. I don't remember if I was squinting. I don't think I was because when I, I just saw it, I'm like, that is the brightest the light issue. I've ever seen. Yeah. That's the issue too, because I interviewed. Uh, Highland Illinois cop from 2000 um, that had you know big sightings out there, and he was staring right at the craft, right, 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 right. And I said, so you're kind of squinting because it's really bright. He said it was like as bright as the sun. He goes, no, nah, I was just looking right into it. Yeah. And, yeah, and I, I was squinting, and I said, did you see any shadows being cast? He goes, well, I wasn't really looking. I said, but I you're standing next to your patrol no. car. He said, was your patrol car lit up, or was it dark? He goes, oh no, everything is dark. I'm going. Even your reflective decals on your patrol car, and he's and that's when they hit him. He goes, "Oh shit, my patrol car was dark. If that was normal light, it would my nine one one all my reflective light, you know, you know decals yeah. would have just lit up like a Christmas tree, 
And that's when he realized this thing may not be terrestrial. Maybe I scared him when I asked him that question. What what bothers me about the light situation is how come, why is it that when I was looking outside, like from inside the house with the lights, the curtains down, why was there a bright light at all? Because when I opened the curtain, there was no light shining on the window. And on top of that, there was a beam of light. So why, why was there bright lights shining through the curtains? But when I look outside, it's just a beam of light. That's such it's, a weird... It's, yeah, it's what we perceive as, as white light. So we only see that, like that much of the color spectrum with yeah. our eyes. We don't see infrared. We don't see ultraviolet. You know, okay, we can see infrared if we want. Our eyes are actually designed that it can see infrared. But over yeah. years and years, our mind has kind of cut that out. But we don't need to see it. Might be the reason why Bigfoot's hard to find because they still might be able to see infrared where our brains said we don't need it over, you know, you know, evolution. But uh, the type of light that these UFOs are using, we just assume it's light within our spectrum, but it appears not to be something mm -hmm. different. And that's what makes stuff like this really interesting because now we have to figure out, okay, you know, what is this light if it's not in our light spectrum, but yet we can still see it? Our cameras can pick it up. You know, if, um, it's funny how camera can pick up a, uh, uh, some of the lights that some people have taken these bright objects. It, it should blast out the lens, the, the, even the CCD, you know, uh, chip in there. Generally, if you ever see those, um, those pictures of people take pictures of UFOs and it looks like a donut, yeah. Of course, maybe a, a yeah. black hole in the middle. They're going, oh my God, you see a black hole. No, what it is, is it, it's a software in the camera. It's a digital camera. It's a black, the black hole is basically the, the, the image or the electronics in the camera, the software is trying to focus and get a picture of this thing. And what it's doing, it's going from the from outside in, trying to trying to get the image of it, and it kind of runs out of memory and it leaves a black hole. Oh wow. So it's, I didn't you know, know where regular film. 35 millimeter film, you wouldn't get that black hole. So it's really interesting stuff. Technology kind of helps, kind of doesn't. But still, it's the same thing. Whatever light you saw, the light the, the cop seeing, uh, I, I, I've had other you know, witnesses talk about it too. We perceive it as light that we can understand, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's something completely you know, beyond you know, our normal thought process or yeah. uh, all the light but spectrum. What I was going to say, gentlemen, is that recently uh, uh, Neil Tyson DeGrasse, I believe is his yeah. name, or however you say it, sometimes <laughs> I say backwards. Tyson. I always yes. say backwards, it, man. Okay. Uh, but no he's he's been blasted on Twitter because of his recent interview where he argues the point that with the six billion cameras that people have in their pockets, oh, that they would be able to yeah. film an alien abduction. And here's the thing, Chuck. As many weapons as a man can own, I think they are useless. If they decide they're coming for you, you ain't moving. <laughs> that gun ain't using. It's no. not doing nothing. Well, so much less somebody being able to react and grab a camera and like, oh, I'm going to no. film this and yeah. post this yeah. on Instagram. It's no. not going to happen. You can't like, get your gun, but you're going to grab your camera? Come on. Right. That's right. his logic. Hey, so, yeah. So Neil, and, and, and sometimes he can, for being a physicist, he can say some pretty stupid things. Yeah, uh, agreed. Not that I'm yeah, I think we agree. Than, yep. Not that I'm smarter than Neil, but um, he's a smart guy. It's just that he's very, very tunnel visioned a lot. Yeah. And what he doesn't understand is when you have these UFO events, there's a very, very high electromagnetic field going on. Yes. And it's just like Richard Dreyfus with Close Encounters. Things just <laughs> die. Things yeah. won't work. 
that's why uh, in my kit, I keep a 30, a throwaway 35 millimeter mechanical camera. Old Kodak. Digital, or, still, <laughs> yeah, because if something, you know, because all your electronics are going to die. Um, I don't know how much time we have, but, you know, with the, the, the debris that, uh, you know, that we just found at the, at the Roswell site, I got to tell you. Yeah, so I was going to pull that up here, Chuck. I got some pictures off of your uh, Facebook page. I'm going to show everybody here and you can kind of guide us through what this is. So this is the post here. Can you guys all see this? Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that so was, um, uh, that was found on, that was, uh, what was that Thursday? Um, June something. Around so this around. is at the Roswell site. We're talking. Yeah, at the Roswell decades. Site. I was going to actually see if I could. Uh, That's not the Corona site. This is the Roswell site. No, no, that, it's, it's Corona. It's, it's both. Okay. Okay, let me see if I can. And previous to this, Frank Kimbler went out and found some material as well. That is this shard, I believe. There was, I saw, I think, a TV program, him, Linda Moulton Howe, they were chatting about it. It was what an I was aluminum alloy. To do was see if I could capture a screen. You um, can share your screen if you like. I can get off your page if you want to share yours. Yeah, I was going to share something with you. Okay, you go right ahead. Okay. While you're doing that, though, I want to ask a real quick question because you were talking about your experience. I'm looking keys. for the share. Where's Thank the you share? for that. That takes a lot to say that. Like we're live on camera. Thousands of people watch it. Thanks for That's trusting us still, enough. Yeah. Right. Of but course, Chuck, I want to get your perspective on the good experience versus the bad experiences. <laughs> I know you've investigated hundreds. You were on TV yeah. with Alien Highway, you know, mm -hmm. MUFON work. How many people are having bad experiences and how many are having good? Um, I think it's all how you perceive it. To be honest with you, the uh, the issue is uh, people who have bad experiences are abductees. People who have good are experiencers. Right. So it's how how you are. That's a great point, know. actually. It's yeah, how they label is, the experience. I was abducted or I experienced. Well, I'm sorry. I got I got I want to add this real quick, Chuck. I was I just learned, and I, I'm sorry I can't remember the reference, but they mentioned I think it was Whitley Strieber mentioning the the differences between abductees and people who have experiences or contactees, they don't get abducted. Some people get information. They have like meditations where they can contact the beings or have other experiences that are anomalous, but they don't have one-on-one face-to-face -on -one -face contact with the beings. And primarily most people, and this is what was said by, I think it was Whitley, but I'm not sure. The people that are experiencers, the ones who don't have face-to-face -face contact with the beings, almost exclusively have a positive experience. The ones that see the beings and have a face-to-face -face contact tend to have a negative one. Is that is that incorrect or correct or how do you what's your no no that's you know it's it's it depends on if you have a negative or positive experience that's usually how it works. Uh, I've talked to uh, people who you know have seen lights and, and had missing time and and they don't have anything negative to say about it. And other people you know uh, feel like they've been violated and it goes on and on. And that's why abductions are really really hard to deal with because. Um, you know, you're not only an investigator, most of the time you're a psychologist too, or psychiatrist. You know, um, no one else will listen to these people. And and so you have to be a good listener and, you know, while they talk and they, and they have to get it off their chest, basically, because no one else will listen to them. The problem with true abductions is, and is when someone contacts me about, you know, an abduction case, um, and they, they really believe they've been abducted. The first thing I always tell them is, look, if you've really been abducted by an alien, by an extraterrestrial, first thing you gotta do is you gotta get blood work done. You gotta go to the doctor before you even talk to me. You know, you gotta get a physical to make sure you're healthy. You gotta do some blood work to make sure 
you're healthy, there's certain protocols, like they did with Travis Walton, you know, he went through all that, you know, and then I'm the last person you need to talk to. You got to make sure that, you know, you take care of number one first yourself and make sure, because my gosh, if you were infected by aliens, then they did something to you and you need to know what it is. They, they, how do they affect you? So um, a lot of times they won't want to do that. They don't want to talk to their doctors. They don't want to do any of that. And so I said, well, there's not too much I can do other than just listen you know, to your story. And, and, you know, if I can get out there, I can maybe try and find evidence that solidifies your story, you know, something out there, like, you know, ring on the ground or high EMF in certain areas or marks on the house or whatever. But um, the, eventually, you know, you'll have to go to the doctor to make sure you're okay. Because, you know, they did something to you. You know, I have, I've had a weird experience with the doctor uh, after my experience. Um. I don't know how to say this, and I've, I've only mentioned this once on air before because I, but it's, I, I met a doctor after my experience, but for different, for other health reasons. And they said that I had, I met, I, I was met by this random guy who kind of walked in. He had the, you know, the coat on and everything. And he sat next to me, like he was my buddy, you know, he's like, hey, you know, you know, talk to me friendly, nice, really cordial, very, very, very calm, uh, regular person conversation, not a doctor conversation. And he says, oh, you, you know, you have this heart condition. It's rare, but it won't give you any problems. Don't worry about it. And then uh, I was like, okay, I was younger. So I didn't really think of anything of it. I said, okay, I, I, I left the building after that and went home. Never thought about it. Last year, I went to the doctor because I thought I was having the same issue again. And I was concerned, very concerned. And they look back at my medical records and they find the paperwork that says that, that, um, that, that I had this condition. But when they ran the test again, I didn't have the condition. And the doctor that was was written on that paper doesn't exist. Oh, wow. Okay. So I'm not, I'm not kidding. He doesn't yeah. exist. They were like, I don't know who this guy is. He's not even in the records, but he signed this. This is a janitor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, was, it was weird. It was weird. Well, you know, um, I've been approached a couple of times by, by people who I think are within the government asking specific questions about what I've done and about my investigations. And I, I work with them because I think it's better to be on their side than against them. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't want to end up in a, in a ditch anymore, <laughs> but um, you know, it's, it's crazy stuff. And the story that you just told, I mean, that I've heard stories similar to that before where, you know, someone will have an experience and then, you know, someone will just show up at their house and ask them specific questions about it. So I'm just investigating this or whatever, but I didn't call anybody. Mm. Oh yeah, well, we heard from blah, 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 or whatever. Mm. I do know from animal mutilation investigations that sometimes unmarked helicopters will be seen after the mutilation. And uh, I do, I, I absolutely believe that our government is running their own investigations on that also. So if they're running their own investigations on these animal mules, they're probably running investigations on on abductions now how did they find out you know um yeah that's a good question yeah you're abducted that's the other thing yeah. too are they tracking i mean we do have spy satellites and and I, I actually worked on a spy satellite when i worked at rockwell years and years ago um and it, it's hard to say if, if they can pick up ufos or not but i think you know they're on top of it like what happened to my sister and i uh, you know in 2016 where that guy was watching us, was he MIB? Oh, was he, or was he an agent? 
because they were monitoring something in that area that we interacted with, and now they're watching us. So and that's a good point. The, the men in black phenomenon, as it's called, some people yeah. say that they didn't even act human. They acted very bizarre, very strange. Yeah. And it's not just once or twice. There's, uh, you know, a prevalence of this in a lot of people's reportings. Anything you can chime in, Chuck, on uh, men well, in black and that with, type of phenomenon? You know, the whole purpose of Dulce, New Mexico, with the underground base was, uh, you know, alien hybrids. You know, that's the story. And so, and that's, and people ask me all the time, well, why every one of the animal mutilation cases from the very beginning, I mean, I have a case that goes way back to 1896 out of Missouri, and it's always been about the blood. They always take the blood. They'll cut up the cow in different places, and sometimes they're in glandular areas, but um, it's always the blood that's missing. And so are they using the blood for feeding us, or are they using the blood for what? You know, could it be, you know, um, you know, hybrid generation? That's that's a theory. So um, I did have an experience one time. I was lecturing in, in Denver, and after my lecture on Roswell, I, I went to the very corner of the lecture room. New, another lecturer was up already speaking. Everybody was focused on that person. I was putting my computer away. And I swear, I said, one more time, I'll put, my, I'll put up the polygraph you know, test. Um, these two people walked up. It was a, I could tell one was male, one was female. They're identically the same height. They almost looked like twins. They reminded me of Edgar Winter from Edgar Winter Group. Oh, okay. Freaky yeah. looking. Yeah. Well, well, albino, you know, right? Uh, yeah, but not the eyes were dark, dark, dark blue. Oh. And okay. I'll never forget that. And they walked up and very nonchalantly just kind of looked at me and said, Good job. You're right on or something. You know, they said, Oh, you're on track or, you know, whatever I was lecturing on Roswell. They thought it was really good and that I was going in the right direction. And they turn around and just walk away. And I'm going, okay, what was that? And I didn't see it anymore. Wow. And I talked to Alejandro Rojas, who was there, who was you know, covering the lecture, and he didn't see him. Um, but then again, too, everybody was focused on the person that was talking at the time. And I was just by myself in the back, putting my computer away. So I, even today, I don't know. I go, I hate to say these guys are hybrids. They just, you know, maybe they were just, you know, uh, you know, albino uh, or twins or something, but I'd never seen them before and no one else ever saw them there. And uh, it's one of those things that you just kind of go, hmm, wonder what that was. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Chuck, show us your stuff here, brother, because I think we're in tiny little windows Sorry. on the side right now. So let's go yeah, through your you, material uh, and then we'll go full screen. Can you see my screen at all? Yeah, yeah we, we can see, see you, screen, absolutely. Yeah. I'm so, oh, okay, so you can see Frank, me and Frank? I can see everything. We're good. Okay, because I didn't, I couldn't see that, so I apologize yep. uh, on, on my screen. So this is Frank Kimbler. Frank Kimbler is an associate professor at the Military Institute in Roswell. Um, I've known him for a little bit in 2002 when, when my sister and I found the original uh, uh, aluminum alloy piece at the debris site. It was a day after we were shooting a, a show for Sci-Fi Channel. And the bottom line is, is I, they were using us as background. We wanted to really find debris there. So um, after the show finished production, we asked the, the you know, uh, the archaeologist, Dr. Bill Doman, if he'd go back the following day while he was cleaning up and we could run our own, uh, you know, uh, investigation of debris, uh, you know, basically our own dig. And we did. And within the second dig, 
I was doing something different. I wasn't digging real deep. I was digging about eight inches down, uh, one to five meters strip digs is what it's called. We found a piece of aluminum alloy. And I had it tested out here in Colorado Springs and it was aluminum alloy that we found under the dirt. Well, this guy, Frank Kevler, who was beside me, um, when that came out, you've watched the show. He got the book, The Roswell Dick Diaries, that talks about it. It shows maps and everything. And guy's an associate professor, geologist. He found the location. <laughs> and, he was, and, he, and he was out there with his metal detector, and he found some material. And he contacted me when I was at the Roswell Fest uh, a year or so or two after that. And he says, I got this stuff. I don't know, you know, what do I do with it? I go, well, you know, uh, this is pretty cool stuff. I introduced him to, uh, you know, Bob Schmidt and Tom Carey. And then well, I took pictures of his stuff. And then when I went back to Colorado, we tried to figure out what this stuff was. Some of it was military buttons, which he found on the site. Really cool. So this, so him and I have been kind of talking ever since 2002. And so we got together on, uh, on June 3rd. Um, we're just shooting a little documentary for L.A. Marzula, who's a, who's a friend of mine. And um, I'm out there with my metal detector. Actually, this was um, this was later. Let me go back. You mentioned the buttons, Chuck. Were they not of the same era, roughly, of when the Roswell They were military of the, 40, of the late 40s. Yeah, this wasn't just some guy that dropped a button recently. This was right, from so around no, the time. It really wasn't. Right. Um, so this was, so here it is here. So I don't know if you can see that. Yeah. Okay. Um, so this is a piece that, so I was there and we had metal detectors and I was using a Garrett. He was using a Fisher. Uh, mine was designed to look for coins. His is designed to look for gold nuggets. And he was getting hits. But what's interesting, before that even happened, I got to tell you this little story real quick. It goes right back to the high EM fields. So L.A. Marzilla is there, and he's interviewing Frank, and his um, audio guy's there, and his cameraman's there, and his cameraman stops. And we're on site, right, where the debris happened back in 1947. It's called a skip site. This crap came down and skips, you know, off the ground like you would skip a Frisbee off a sidewalk. And then 17 miles later, it crashed somewhere, you know. But the skip site is where all the debris was, and that's what Mac Brazel found in 47. So we're there at the skip site. So while they're interviewing Frank, um, the battery went there or something happened to the camera. It wasn't working right. Like it was, it just wasn't recording. It didn't record the past 30 seconds to a minute and it was having camera issues. The audio guy, his battery went out completely and he just put new batteries in. I watched him put them in. Uh, my truck was about 30 feet away and it went out and he goes, oh, I know what's going on, you know. Our you know, camera, our audio's not working. And they started walking back to my truck because I took them out there. Frank looks at me and goes, did you bring your EMF detector? I go, of course, it's in my kit. So he grabbed the EMF detector and I go, I'm going to grab my drone. And I was assembling my drone, my DJI Phantom 4, and I was going to shoot some images there. And while Frank was walking um, along this area, I don't know if I got a picture of it or not now, but um, when he was walking around this area, uh, had the debris filled, and he was getting some spikes on the EMF meter. And so he says, I gotta get my metal detector. And he ran back to my truck. By that time, I was setting up my drone near where he was starting to metal detect. And I was getting battery errors on my drone. I was getting app errors and it wasn't, wasn't working. And I, I was getting all excited because I'm like, okay, I must be doing something wrong. 
I'm not really, I'm, you know, I'm proficient with my drone, but I'm not, you know, cameraman, drone operator guy. Uh, so I thought, I thought I was screwing up. And I reset it, reset it, and, you know, three or four times. I go, all oh, the hell with it. I'm going to put it away, grab my other camera, take pictures of it. I take the drone back to my truck. I go, I'm going to try it one more time. About 30 feet away. Nothing. Just suck that. Went right up. No airs, no anything. I was able to fly the drone. I, then I realized, holy shit, that was where we had the high EMF. <laughs> so... Um, Frank started getting hits and he got, he got hits and, and he found two pieces. We were out there for two or three hours. We found two pieces. This is the one piece you can see right there. He gave that piece to me, um, so I could have it analyzed and he took the other piece so he could have it analyzed. I now, what does the analysis say? Cause a lot of skeptics are going to say, oh, it's just a piece of metal debris, you know, oh, could yeah. be military, you know, we know testing Absolutely. New Mexico. Absolutely. And that's where I was going to show you this, that. So um, you can see the pictures here. And then I took it to Colorado Metallurgical Services. And uh, their job is to analyze metal, especially metal that's been in some type of uh, explosion accident or whatever. You know, they try to determine the problems with the metal, whether or not it failed or not. Anyway, he, he cleaned it, did an ultrasonic cleaning, used a, uh, an X-ray spectrometer on it, and the X-ray spectrometer kind of points in one area. This thing's got a fold, and it comes up with this. It's an aluminum alloy with magnesium, manganese, iron, all kinds of stuff. But it's an aluminum alloy. And so here's the debris field right there. So that's where we found it. So you can see how you know desolate that area is. And, so and Chuck, and Chuck, just 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 to. Uh, understand here so when you're looking for something that took place in 1947 uh if it's what two feet if you're trying to go in prehistoric times like dinosaurs and was it three inches if you're trying, trying to go to 1947 approximately oh, yeah. I, I thank you for saying that yeah because when we were with sci-fi we were digging down two feet we're going down a jurassic period it seemed like right. all we needed to go down was eight inches or so from what you know when i talked to the archaeologist i said dr dolman i said how far do we got to dig down you know, from since 1947, he says, well, due to erosion, da, 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 probably eight inches or so. And that's what we were doing. And this thing, we found this is probably under six to seven inches of dirt. And that's mainly because it's desert climate, right? If this was someplace else, high erosion, right. water flow. Right. You know, right. And what we found in this piece was where over the years, water would actually settle. That's yeah. what I did back in 2002. I talked to Dr. Dolan and I said, what would be your best guess to where this stuff would be? And he said, over the years, water could have picked it up and settled it in the low areas. We yeah. should check there. And that's where we check here. It's like they do with gold, right? They look for gold exactly. in riverbeds, ancient rivers, all that, because that's where the heavy metal would settle with thousands or millions of years of erosion and weather. Right. And this is this is what you can see what this thing looks like. Now, could this be man-made? Are there anything weird about it? Is there crazy isotopes or is it like a million layers where it would be impossible to no, replicate? No, it's not really. No, no, we haven't got that far yet. Um, because it was right before Roswell um uh coming up that I only had enough time. The protocol states that you hand deliver it to a lab, you never send it via right. mail. You handle so it. It's, it's ongoing right now. The analysis. It's ongoing. The lab that uh, labs here in Colorado Springs had closed down due to COVID. Someone let me hand deliver it. So um, I found a place in Denver, and and I'll be talking them to them next week about the, the other material that we have. But this stuff. Uh, can you see that little 
like a hair thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of interesting stuff. This little hair thing, this is from the 2002 piece of debris. So it, so we're seeing the same thing on the, the stuff we just found, you know, in June of this year. And uh, let me see if I got, oh, the other thing I wanted to show you, see if I can do it real quick. How can I get stop sharing? Okay. And then let me go back. Any thoughts on uh, collaborating with like Dr. Gary Nolan, somebody very proficient on metamaterials, anything uh, at that level? Um, yeah, we're, um, I was just doing a podcast yesterday with, with Frank and he has said, he actually sent some of the stuff to a lab in, uh, on the East coast. And, uh, I was just in a chat chatting with the people there while Frank was talking to them, but, you know, they were going to do electron scanning microscope and do some other things. The thing was, is, um, we went back the Thursday before the July 4th weekend because I needed, I wanted to try and find some extra material or at least one or two more pieces because once you start getting into isotope analysis and everything, you, you start damaging the artifact, the piece of debris. So I wanted one or two more pieces left, you know, that I could, that I could destroy when we further our analysis. And um, yeah, as it turns out, you know, we were there the Thursday before the 4th of July weekend. And um, see, that was uh, on uh, June 29th. Uh, I, what I did between the 3rd and 29th is I trashed my garret. I, I, I was thinking to myself, okay, why is, why is his metal detector picking it up? Well, the Fisher metal detector is a gold bug pro or gold bug metal detector is designed to find gold nuggets and gold fragments. Mine was designed to find coins. And so within that time period, I got on eBay and I found me a Fisher Gold Bug Pro metal detector designed to find gold. And when we got there on the 29th, within, um, uh, gosh, that'd be about 20 minutes, I got a hit and I found a piece. So and is that the piece you've got as your uh, wallpaper screen there? Is that what that is we're looking at? Oh, oh, um, what I wanted. Okay. You got it as your screen pick. So it's not okay. your, not your screen. So anymore. I want to see if I can, you see this piece where my cursor is, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's in the window can... where your face normally would go. You're using it yeah, as your background. You know, um, I'm trying to share that screen, but it's not letting me share the screen. Um, because I'm using my USB camera. So you when you hit the that. share share oh, button, okay. when you hit the share button, they're going to give you basic advanced and files. So each one of those is it's the basic one that should be all of your different <laughs> screens, all of the different screens that come up. Okay, but but you can actually see it though, right? Yeah, yeah we, we see, see it in place of you. You've disappeared. Yeah. There we okay. Go. Now there you can go. see it, right? All right. Leaning Tower of Pisa. Okay. You Beautiful. see this? Watch this. That's it. That's the one that we found the first time around on uh, June third. I've got it under a digital microscope right now for you. So, oh, so you're said, moving this live as we speak? Oh yeah, this is live. Ah, okay, oh, okay, very cool. okay. Yeah. So, um, wow, I thought cool. I would uh, kind of. That is cool. You could have just done you. one of these. That's what Gary Nolan did when Gary I asked Nolan about meta material. You could have just done one of these. Yeah. So, you're a computer guy. You're a UFO yeah, nut. You got to cool. be techie. I am a techie guy. Um, so this is um, 
This is a piece from, from June 3rd. And you can see, let me move it around a little bit. You can see the fold. You see the fold there? If, yeah. Chuck, if yeah. we revert back to uh, not screen sharing, because right now you're just showing your desktop. So if oh, we revert back, yeah, if we revert back, we'll see it in, in your screen right now yeah. where your face is supposed to be. Go. There you go. Okay, it's a little bit larger now. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And everyone doesn't that. have to stare at your background. Yeah, for whatever reason, it's it went into stops uh, or not or sharing. Okay. So now you can see it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, but how do we know this? I'm just going to play the devil's advocate. How do we know this is not aircraft metal, a pop can from the 50s? How do we know? Is there anything that stood out as being different, or is it just because it was found in the area, or this is the second time that you and guys like Frank have actually found stuff that turned out to be anomalous? Well, this um, this resembles the piece that I found in 2002. You know, after the 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 sci-fi channel debunkle thing, right? And I, I had that analyzed using an electron scanning microscope and it came up aluminum alloy. Now jumped to, you know, 2023, right? And, um, and I'm finding something very similar to what I found back in 2002. And this time I use an X-ray spectrometer and I'm coming up with the same results. It's an aluminum alloy. Now, here's the thing though, um, it's, it, it does kind of resemble a, um, an element or a, an alloy that came out in 1961, 61, 62. It resembles it, but it's not exact. The X-ray spectrometer tries to identify what you're looking at. And all I, all I could say is it's similar to this, but it's not. So um, it's similar to an alloy we had that came out in the early 60s, but it's not exact. So I don't know if that helps any. Um, yeah, we look forward to seeing what you find out from that for sure. Yeah. We can. Yeah, uh, I've, I've had I've had some issues with the whole atomic layering situation in the isotope. Yeah, the ratios, right? Yeah, some of those uh, arrangements right. they don't exist yeah. on planet Earth, as far as we know, without a yeah. particle accelerator, right? Let me see if I can get in real close for you. So you can... That's amazing. Whatever it is that you're using. Yeah, that camera is really good. Yeah, It's, it's a microscope. A, yeah, they, they, microscope. An, another thing microscope. is like the, what is it with, again, I, I'm confused by the atomic layering, the isotopic ratio. I, I get the, I understand what they tell us. I don't understand why it's, why it's considered anomalous. Aside from the fact that we can't get the isotopic ratio in this like galaxy or whatever they say, they, they we don't and have the layering ability. too. There'd be no practical reason yeah. for us doing it. We don't need to make such an advanced alloy for military or yeah. practical purposes. The time involved, With, the energy involved, yeah. the money involved, it would cost billions to make such a small amount. Who the hell would do that? There's no profit or as yeah. that we know anyway it's just wasting is money it seems like it's a waste yeah you could make exactly. something just as strong if not stronger for less money so why the hell would the military do it that's what people and think. as it turns out the alloy that this is closest to is actually not an not an aluminum alloy that can be this thin um it's used for battleships and braces for construction and stuff but it's uh, it's never ever 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 used for anything so thin and this is very very thin and very light so it's not like typical aircraft aluminum basically no no it is not no. so it would be anomalous then out in the middle of the desert if it's well, more like into a as, boat. Uh, as far as colorado metallurgical services when you know and this is general manager telling me this he says 
I can't identify it. It, it. it resembles this alloy, but it's not this alloy. It's something else. All we can say is it has, you know, aluminum, magnesium, manganese, iron, and blah, blah, blah in it. And, and it kind of resembles this alloy, but the machine didn't, didn't say this is what it is. It didn't right. do, I did, it didn't identify it as this is exactly what it is. It says, well, it kind of looks like this. And if you look real closely, you see, you see that rip there? You know, we're looking at about 500 microns here, right? So when he looked at it under his microscope, he says, I can tell you this. This is a failed part, as far as I'm concerned, from other metal stuff that we do for other companies, meaning whatever this was a part of and whatever it was supposed to do, it exploded. It, it so there's like signs of tearing. You can see some of the edges were very... Yeah. Yeah. Almost yeah. like strained, stretched, ripped. It doesn't look clean tiny, for sure. We got a little tiny curl right there too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. It's mangled. Yeah. It was in some kind of a wreck for sure. Yeah. No. He when we was he was like really just astonished with this. He goes, "I can't. I've never seen anything this small gone through so much trauma." Is what exactly the words that he said. He said, "Whatever, whatever caused this." was very traumatic, very explosive, and just obliterated whatever this thing was. How and big is that piece you're showing us? It's hard to tell under magnification. Um, about a quarter inch. Okay, just a little guy. What about the weight? Yeah. Is, is, it any, is there anything unique about the weight of the material? No, it's, it's extremely light. We, um, what I'm gonna do the next time, because I was, it took some, to be honest with you, what was going on here, um, let me get into this little hole right here too, which is really interesting. It's got all these tiny little scratches. I yeah, mean, it's scratched that... the hell, whatever oh, it is. Yeah. Okay, yeah. those scratches. Uh, he explained that he says those are uh, metal stress cracks or yeah. scratches, um, and and part of what happened to it, however it exploded, you know, hitting other pieces of debris and stuff. So some of it. The, the picture that I showed you earlier that had like really fine line, parallel lines, those are stress cracks down here when you see them crisscrossing, um, they're stress cracks associated with uh, some type of traumatic, you know, um, event is what, yeah. how, what he said. Oh, what the hell is that little triangle right there? You know, it's, it's like sort it's of pushed in or something. Yeah, it's sort of like, if you think about it, if these crafts and if this craft back in 1947, of course, is flying at the speed that, you know, pilots have recorded these things flying at, you know, at goes to Mach 12, yeah, at, heat, like from zero to nothing. Yeah. Right. So right. just hitting the ground, because you said it hit the ground like a rock skipping like on water and then another 17 miles it it travels before it finally crashes to its final destination right, in the video right yeah like so other people are saying that now too yeah, right so ben hansen and uh donald schmidt they claim that there's another crash site in fact we're going to be chatting with donald schmidt in uh, about a week's time from now just yeah, about the, that so it, it that's sort of corroborates the fact that it hit once and then also hit someplace else and it's far away like at that speed a bounce is miles and miles it's not you know a couple hundred feet so um the thing with Don, um, and I like Don. He's a, he's he's my go-to guy when it comes to uh, to Roswell. 
Um, and I talked to Frank. Frank falls into the same theory of Don where they're looking for that other, we call it the impact site. Uh, this piece came from the skip site where the craft, you know, skipping a frisbee off the ground and all the debris that Matt Grazel found. And in my opinion, 17 miles later was where there was a, a, a body of the craft. Now, after talking with Frank for the past, you know, month or so, we've come to the conclusion that there could be two impact sites or, yeah. you know, yeah. And that would make sense because if something was coming down and hit so hard, it could break into two pieces along because it's left all this debris. The story goes that that after it skipped, it traveled, you know, while it was traveling to the to the impact site, within about three miles from the skip site, the body fell out from some more debris. And uh, I mentioned that, and that was something that we were looking at for Alien Highway, my TV show. Where people where rancher had found some debris and was hiding it in the cave, we um, that might be the body that Mac Brazel saw when he made the claim that they weren't green. I do. I interviewed Fawn Fritz, who was Mac Brazel's granddaughter, and he mentioned a little bit about it, not a lot, but she said what Granddad, you know, uh, opened, told her is, you know, that he had actually seen one. We seem to think maybe that's where it was. Now. The impact site that Don Smith is looking at and Frank Kimbler is um, from eyewitness counts of, 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 of this, you know, the craft being there. The, the impact site I'm looking at is an eyewitness count uh, of, of, you know, of a person, that, you know, seeing the military and everything. And I interviewed her, her name is Gail, and uh, she's passed away. I met her 20 some years ago. She was uh, eight or nine years old at the time. And I know exactly where she was living at the time. It was, it was a, a ranch area. Um, and Chuck, Chuck, can we get your pretty face back on the screen? Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's get My that handsome face. mug back on there. Get Until we know home. that's a piece of a craft. We don't want to get our hopes up. So <laughs> okay. teasing okay, us, they got me back. Okay. So, um, so Gail says, and this is really cool about Gail, and actually my wife came with me to this interview because she was an older lady and I didn't want her, you know, I wanted her to feel comfortable. So my wife was with me and she was just so cool. So she was, they, her family's living on a ranch and um, it was during the 4th of July weekend thing, just a couple of days afterwards. And the military was coming down the ranch road, not a county road, the ranch road. It was a long line of military vehicles. She'll never, ever, ever forget that, she said, because it was so traumatic. These guys, there was a flatbed, a couple of open back trucks, right? And there were soldiers with guns. And she goes, why? I mean, you know, are we in another war? You know, uh, we just got out of World War II, right? This is 47. And they were ordered to stay in their house. And she was peeking through the window and she was watching the long caravan of vehicles go down the stair road. Well, she later, with a, well, okay, I don't want to go jump too far ahead. So a couple of days later, they came back and the flatbeds had tarp over something or some things and off they went. And she'll never, ever forget that. And she says, I, I, I will sort of a polygraph too, you know, um, that's exactly what it saw. She overheard her dad and her uncle her uncle 
you know, talking, her uncle lived one mile or so. No, no. her uncle lived, let me, let me skip up here a second. Her uncle lived the, on the furthest house at the end of the ranch land. They had a bunch of houses on this ranch land. And so he lived the furthest away. And she overheard them saying, talking to her dad that, uh, that the couple nights before, he, is, he had carrier pigeons and here the pigeons were making noises. So he thought coyotes were out there. He went out there and he saw a red glow about a mile past his house. And he thought, okay, we have a brush fire. This is why the pigeons are all going crazy. I'll just keep an eye on it. Well, as it turns out, the, the long train of military vehicles went past her uncle's house about a mile. Hmm. And that's where they were. I've been to that site. And it, it exactly resembles, by description, the, uh, I guess they were like rock hunters. You know, if you ever hear the story, you know, of the rock hunters out there with the students and they, they were rock hunting, they come across a craft and, you know, there was a dead aliens and one alive and then the military shows up. Uh, there was a dry yep. screen yep. bed next to our, mm -hmm. uh, right next to them. I found that. I found the location that kind of resembles their story, even with the dried stream bed, one mile past her uncle's house. And using my GPS coordinates, I hit it on my GPS. And there's a Jim Ragsdale site too, which is another story where Jim Ragsdale was with this woman in the back of a pickup truck. And he saw the damn thing go over and crash and stuff. No one believed him because, you know, uh, because he was just, you know, one of those guys in town that, you know, that always, you know, uh, I don't know, made up stories or whatever. You know, embellished his stories. Embellished, yeah. Yeah. Um, so they seemed to think he was doing the same thing. But I had his coordinates, and it was really cool because it was where I was. It was a straight line between here, Jim Ragsdale, and the debris site. It was just a straight line, not pretty much a straight line. I'm thinking, okay. I'm in the right area. Now, Don Smith seemed to think it's three or four miles off in another direction um, because of an eyewitness testimony. And Frank says, yeah, that eyewitness testimony is pretty good, you know, from back in the 40s and, and the ancestors are talking about it. So it's a pretty good eyewitness testimony. Mine's pretty good. But then he says, well, I also heard of, of another rancher that points to seeing something in the direction of you know my impact site. So anyway, so I'm working with Frank, and our plan is you know we're going to venture we're going to go both places, right? Because it kind of makes sense if you know if you take a dish, you know, and you skip it off the ground and it skips, it's going to break. And depending on uh, the composite material of the dish, it may just break into two pieces or whatever. Maybe broke into more. But now we think maybe the new theory is there's two impact sites. Or it could have left debris in several yeah. places as it went. Who knows, right? Right. And but, when, you talk, when you talk to Don, he may not be on board with it because, you know, he's focused on his, you know, his site. And he's been focused on that for years. So I'm not taking that away from him because, you know, I think it's a good site. I'm thinking that the craft probably did break off. And my eyewitness, why? why would the military be on her ranch or family's ranch and um, you know 
at that same time frame and the military and force everybody to stay in their houses if, if they weren't picking up something and taking something out of there. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, You'd think they would cast afterwards. a wide net for that kind of thing. They'd be visiting everybody's yeah. farm just to make sure there isn't anything that got missed or whatever, especially if they have been covering it up for sure. Well, yeah, and I'm thinking, you know, the, the military is pretty good. Um, you know, we, they, they just won a World War II, so they're, no, they're pretty good. So they're out there investigating this, and they know, you know, from so many crashed airplanes skipping off the ground that the main body of the airplane is going to be somewhere. Yeah. And so they look at the direction of the skip, you know, and they figure, okay, you know, it's probably going in this direction or probably going in that direction. And um, Don seems to think that the debris went this way. I seem to think the debris went that way. No one can tell. You know, because Mac Brazel is not there to tell us. Now, as an investigator, I'm not going to worry about the little things because the little things, when you talk to four people who's had a UFO sighting, they're each going to say something a little different, but they're going to all have maybe one thing in common. And that's what you want to focus on is the commonality between all of them. And that's so I'm focusing on the one thing between the two eyewitnesses is okay, we do know that this is the debris site. <laughs> So this is where it came down to skip. So we know that for sure. Now we just got to see where the main body of the craft, if it went there or there. We have two locations. Okay, fine. I'm happy so, with that. Yeah. There's one thing I'm always fascinated by because it seems like Roswell, Roswell is like the herpes of ufology. It just keeps <laughs> coming back. You could put cream on that sucker, but I'll <laughs> just keep keeps coming back. on giving. Exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh uh, that, that's how I attribute <laughs> Roswell. And it keeps coming back all the time. Oh, my and, gosh. Well, yeah, so sorry, Marquise. Good thing it's so a live sorry. show. We can swear. We're Jason and his analogies, eh? But um, here's the thing. Uh, we know that the, the, the U.S. has had a very lucrative and intense uh, crash retrieval recovery programs for a long time, uh, even talking with her bo boy, James Fox, and he's talking about the Varginia, Varginia case, Varginia Virginia case. Virginia. 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 I learned that, exactly. I learned that from the movie Carter, from the movie Carter, you know, okay. the movie where the guy goes to, he, they called him Virginia because Virginia. he came from Virginia. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Virginia. All right. But yeah, so he talks about that case and how, you know, within 24 hours of the military, the police officers capturing two entities, one of them dead, one of them alive, but they also had the craft. And within 24 hours, a Hercules, uh, you know, U.S. Hercules was uh, waiting for them on the tarmac, grabbed everything and took off. It's sort of it's funny because recently we've had those three unidentified objects, which are still not identified they still don't tell us shit that what they shot yeah. down they yeah. fired on you know 1.5 million dollars worth of missiles at them but right. we don't know what it is and they're saying oh well we, we can't retrieve them they're in weird locations these groups that do these crash retrievals are so amazing like i mentioned before they could be on top yeah. of the himalayan mountains and they'll go retrieve it they're that yeah. good plus mm -hmm. grush recently said in his interview um that we now have abilities to bring these suckers down yeah. Right. Let's talk about Grush. Let's yeah. get Chuck's perspective on Grush. It's been a while since well, we chatted. I, mean, I think we've always had, I think what happened with Roswell, the theory is, is back in the day before Doppler radar, we had direct beam radar. And direct, direct beam radar is very similar to our microwave machines. That um, that when you pick up an object 
that's off at a distance and maybe cluttered with clouds due to a thunderstorm. If you want to identify that object, you turn up the juice. Now, when I first started investigating Roswell 30 some years ago, I was out in the area, you know, just general areas before I actually got the GPS coordinates from, from uh, Glenn Dennis of the debris site, but I was in the outside area of Corona, just talking to ranchers. And, and they, it's funny because they said, I do remember granddad or I remember dad saying that we'd be out, you know, out in the field, we'd find these uh, birds that are burned to a crisp, just burned. And we never really did figure out. Now we know what it was, but at the time we couldn't figure it out. But what it is, direct beam radar will actually just burn you up. And so if, if you have a direct beam radar pointed somewhere and you're trying to get a signature, you're gonna turn up the juice, bird flies by in between, it'll just blink ignite, right? Well, we seem to think what happened was Roswell Army Air Force Base or Walker Base was the very first strategic air command base. That's where they trained the pilots for the Enola game. You know, so it's, it's our very first atomic base. Then you have, so they had a radar system there. White Sands missile base where they, they did a lot of missile testing and uh, uh, airplane testing and all kinds of stuff. They had a radar. And over the years, I found out that there was a third radar that was a portable one that was set up in between the two, you know, the two places. And it would make sense because about a week or so before July, you know, fourth weekend, you know, Roswell, um, you know, you had the Mount Rainier uh, event happen in, you know, Washington where, you know, the, saw the, bunch of, the UFOs going by. So the bottom line- That was is, the Kenneth Arnold sighting, exactly, right? Exactly, the Kenneth yeah. Arnold. So the military was on high alert because they've been watching these things. And now here it has a strategic air command base. And now you have White, uh, White Sands Missile Base. And now you have a third raider. So now they're scanning everywhere. You know, because these things have already been seen flying near Roswell in the past. So during this thunderstorm, you know, these, these people spot them in Roswell, they actually see them fly over. Nuns, for gosh sakes, are reported to see these things. They're on top of a building taking a cigarette break and they see these, Classic nuns. these, yeah. these two crap wow. fly over, right? So you know they got picked up on radar, we'll we assume. And so White Sands probably picked them up in the third place. And so now they're all hitting this, these two craft at the same time and with, with very, very high powered direct you know, uh, radar beams, which is high uh, frequency radiation. And they're being bombarded with that to three different areas. Maybe at the same time you have a lightning strike, or maybe because of what's going on with atmospheric conditions during a lightning storm, something happened. You know, they bump, one crashes, or something. We're just this is all theories, right? We have no idea. Yeah. You, you know, we don't know exactly, but one went down. We seem to think there were two. Maybe the other one went down by the planes of by St. Augustine. Chuck Wade, an investigator, uh, was always talking about the second one. And he actually believed that they were purposely brought down using direct beam radar as a weapon. You know, that's where he thinks. I think maybe they were trying to identify him and they turned up the juice. I actually know a person uh, that worked in the Air Force in, in Alaska and uh, he walked in front of a radar at just as it was turning on, you know, it turns on and then it goes like this and, you know, turns. And as it turned on, they told him to, to, to you know, on the ground, you know, get down. 
um, and he didn't realize why, but you know, he dropped when he was ordered to, and he could feel this heat wave <laughs> go over him. Uh, and that was just that was just turning on. So it wasn't. Well, you know, I want to want to say something to you real quick when you're mentioning this. John Ramirez mentioned that the Soviets that we were watching the Soviets monitor their skies as well because they were picking up these these uh these like contacts and they couldn't figure out who it was they thought it was us but they didn't know we were watching them pick these up this is what he claims that he was a part of doing he was part of uh looking at the radar um and uh the radar sensors and stuff like that of the the soviets and he said they they were they were capturing these like on their radar systems these these objects coming into the airspace couldn't tell what it was they were anomalous at least they were back then as well. Eventually, they learned how to literally get the attention of these objects through adjusting their radar systems at a certain way, and they would draw them in. They would draw the phenomena to the to their using their sensor equipment. Huh. Um, John John Ramirez mentioned this on uh, this is about a year or so ago when he talked to Jay on Project Unity. So. The idea that we don't know about this stuff or that we're just now figuring it out is it's, it's you can't pot. We cannot believe this. Yeah, but are we, we are we trapping this, them the though, Marquise? Like, I'm not sure about trapping. I don't I don't know. Because but, if we're attracting them and then shooting them down. Oh, attracting. Yeah, no, I, I, I think so. And I, I mean, we're, that's a whole nother conversation we'd have to get into separately. But I find I just wanted to kind of bring up the idea that that this is something that we've had the capability of, according to John Ramirez, who, by the way, his job was in the CIA to monitor the radar systems of the, to, to, you know, to spy on essentially the, the Soviets right. through observing their equipment and what they were looking at. So that's a pretty big claim that, that we've had this, that they've had the ability since the seventies or even before. Well, yeah, and you and think we don't like, come on, come on. No, before no, you I'm answer just... there, Chuck, I just want to give a shout out to our friend, Tim Othman. He just gave us a super chat. That's what like the first Othman? super chat we've ever got. We awesome. Awesome. The show. first one. That is Tim. the first $9.99 we've ever made off our show. So thank you, <laughs> oh, that's Tim. That's awesome, Tim. That. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Go ahead, Chuck. Yeah, it must be for you. It's not us. It's got to be no, you, No, no. No, you know, I mean, you know, it's it takes a team. Right. Yeah, that's right. It's a village yeah, here. I, this is a village. village. <laughs> and one a quick village. footnote, we're just past the hour and a half mark. So I, I don't want to keep yeah. everybody forever, but we do right. want to get your input on what's been happening recently. Roswell's cool. We could talk about it for another four hours, I'm sure. But oh, there's yeah, some yeah. people in the chat room want to get your Sorry. insight on David Grush. What do you well, think? The thing is, lowers, is, so at your heard, let's get there at worked, some point. When I worked at Rockwell, um, Years ago, I, I was part of a, a program on a spy satellite. I can talk about it now because it's been so many years and it's so many, it's outdated and everything. But you know, we we signed non-disclosures. You know, doc, and I still sign non-disclosures now as a contractor working at other companies. And you know, and I'm on a just finished up a military project. And so, when you're with the CIA, right? Um, you will sign a non-disclosure and you will not talk about, you know, what you saw there. So this is where there's this fine line with some of these people. And there's a couple of them now on TV shows, you know, one something after Skinwalker or guys, anyway, um, you know, former CIA person. And he's talking about stuff that he's heard and seen in the CIA. If you actually talk about something you actually saw then you're violating your non-disclosure, federal non-disclosure document, and you will go to jail. 
out here in Canyon City is a federal penitentiary. That's where you'll end up or on the East Coast. So it's not that I think these guys are lying or anything, or maybe they've been given the okay to talk about it, which is the case too. You know, um, I did talk to JD, God, what was his last name? Rhodes, something or other, but he was a former radar de detector or, or radar guy for Area 51. And uh, I interviewed him and he says, there's certain things I can talk about that they said I can talk about and there's other things I can't talk about. Uh, so he told me a little bit about the things that he was briefed on that he could talk about. So, you know, I always, I don't believe everything I hear from these guys that are former CIA telling me this only because I personally have signed non-disclosure documents and I don't want to go to jail if I talk about stuff that I've seen. Um, how can they get away with it and freely talk about it? But it does, does it depend though on the level or the severity of what it is that you're told to keep secret? And for instance, well, yeah. you know what I mean? Like if, if it is something that's world shattering that everybody should know, uh, I don't care about going to prison. I'm going to squeal <laughs> like a pig. You know what I mean? Because well, well that could be true, but I mean, you know, we still don't know about JFK, right? It's true, but I just think at the yeah. point that we're and at I now, someone does. Yeah, someone another okay. Yeah, and, another and, issue. And they're not going to say anything about it because, you know, he, and then there's also cases where you step over the line. Remember Max Spears, a couple years ago. I'm Max Spears, the remember. investigator, yeah. the Polish investigator, stepped over that line, was found two, three days later, dead yeah. in a motel room yeah. with black. Yeah, yeah, people. yeah. Yeah, conveniently so, yeah. on Twitter, man. So you can't step bad. over the line, you can disappear. Things can happen to you. People um, think that's what happened to Phil Schneider, right? Saw some stuff. Was literally gonna battle. And, you took right. my you son of a no, accidentally <laughs> killed himself like, <laughs> with a ligature but, but no, around his neck. Like, come on. Yeah, but I also yeah. believe, I also believe that there is, you know, there there is um some information that they are releasing, you know, mm. so you know we can finally get a lot of this out in the open and so some of these guys that are former cia maybe they've been briefed where they say yeah you could talk about that and maybe well so i'm not what saying about, you know, well what grush about said that this... right he said that he had permission to be able to do this yeah the thing is though is the person that makes the outstanding remark better or you know or outlandish remark should come up with the evidence that backs that up right you know yes. me, that's that's what did I he not wanted, give it to yeah. the correct wanted, bodies just behind the scenes we don't see it because we're public yeah. but in the military that's, that's intelligence hearsay. agency that's, he that's gave it to the right there. people you know, you know oh yeah by the way you know i found an uh, alien fork and and oh, <laughs> gave it yeah. to the government and you'll never see it. i mean you never know that you know the stuff with investigators like us when we find pieces of debris at an actual crash site we go public with it. We do our own analysis. We try and get as much stuff out there as we can. So the skeptics and the debunkers have something to look at. And they go, well, well, you know, um, okay. Good point. I know I, I can't guarantee it was a flying saucer, but I can guarantee that something exploded and crashed at the, the debris site because I have the material and I've had the experts, you know, the metal experts saying something crashed <laughs> and exploded. Yeah causing this piece of metal so that's all i have to work on i can't say it's an alien but i can say it follows the same story that mac brazil mac brazil found the debris at the debris side 
and and started this whole Roswell thing. Well, basically, you know, uh, Stanton Freeman, you know, started years later, brought it back to life. So it's not, you know, um, I just don't believe these guys right off. I personally, as an investigator, I have to do a little more digging to see where they got the information and, and if there's a paper trail for that information that you can, you know, you can believe it. Because I personally have been duped a few times by mm. by people. Stan Rowanek for number one. You remember Stan Rowanek? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, just, yeah. Just to go back to David Grush, at this point, yeah. he's been on News Nation. Legitimate reporters have staked their reputations on the story. Do you not think there would be greater consequences for bullshitting than telling the truth at this point? Like if he was flat uh, out not, lying, would it look well, the I'm way not it really, does now? I'm not really happy with News Nation. News Nation, I just found out, you know, we were at Roswell. It's, it's, it was for them, it's all about uh, clicks popularity of the story yeah. of what they think isn't that with every media though like let's be well, honest okay Ryan. so Who we went to like news that? nation so ben hansen and don smith were on news nation talking yeah. about their second you know crash site frank and i are talking to news nation go dudes we have actual debris from the debris site we just found we've had analyzed you can see it you can hold it touch it put it in your fingers look at it. they blew us off Hmm. That makes sense. We actually had real evidence of something happening at the debris site in our hands. It's not salacious. Yeah, it's not salacious. And then they blow us yeah. off totally because yeah. um, they already talked to Don and, and Ben. And I like the guys, but, you know, they already said, ah, we're going to talk about this new crash site. Yeah, we have no, you know, we have no evidence of, of anything coming from it. It's still eyewitness testimony where it's at. And, and that's where they're at that level of trying to find that. Where in fact, hey, look at this shit. Here it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, know? you know what? We're giving you a I'll platform you so that stuff. you can share <laughs> and get your just due, you know? So, but uh, it's not just David Grush, right? Rumor mill and everyone circles saying there are oh, many yeah. more whistleblowers coming. And rumor has it that a big shot from the military and the rumor is it's Admiral Wilson. Have any of you guys right. heard this? Jason I've heard that. Marquise? I've heard that Elizondo also because his lawyer was right. Elizondo. There's another yeah. person that, you know, uh, you know, the broke protocol, if he fight, you know, if he signed that non-disclosure, how come he's, you know, so you have to think also some of these guys were given permission, you know, because, you know, now we can say, you know, you're going to uh, uh, eventually they want to just come out and, and say, yeah, you know, this is happening here, but it's coming out in little tiny pieces before, you know, we actually. So would you agree it's a drip disclosure then? The government's letting Probably. the little nuggets out? I think yeah. it's, pl I think it's planned too. I think it's, yeah. Yeah, I, I will say, I want to mention this too, though. The, the idea that I've collected from this situation with the brush is that he has the, a lot of the pro and Elizondo came across this as well. Susan Gal denied his involvement with, with, you know, ATIP entirely, which mm -hmm. means he was working on a program that wasn't, wasn't officially designated for studying UAP, so therefore, why why wouldn't he be allowed to talk about those different the data from there? Because again, if it's unacknowledged, if it's a program that's not supposed to be about those those things, there's no NDA to be signed. Then he can talk about whatever he wants to in relation to that pro, to those investigations because yeah, they're not under the I NDA. Mean, that that's kind of a gray line. I, I I may have to disagree with that because even though I sign a non disclosure on this lidar project I'm working on, um, I know some things that the company is doing too is non related that would probably fall within that envelope. 
Well, if they denied if they denied that you ever worked for them, then I mean your claims are you would be you would be legally obligated, uh, legally bound bound to be responsible for those claims. And Alzano made a lot of claims and has not yet been prosecuted at all. Hasn't had any legal action against him. And that's the other thing too. That's the other thing too is. is how you can get away with it because if they would prosecute them or anything, they may say, hey, right, right you know, right. just like Bob Lazar. Remember when Bob Lazar? Right. Came out Martin like, McLean just text that yeah. in our chat. Let's hope Bob Lazar, Lazar comes still, back out. We hope he's so still too. working. By the way, he's still work. He still work. He does contracts with the government. Again, I don't yeah. see, How can a person like that's a liar making all these right. big claims about Area? He, he exposed Area 51 and S4. He walked into S4 with, with uh, George Knapp as if he owned the place. And he's not been prosecuted for any of the things that he's done yet. So how can a man like that make all these claims or reveal right. a, a site that was was completely classified and un, un, unknown? These are right. this is the kind of stuff that I think about. Yeah. Well, if they're if they're these bad people, you're still working with them. Right. Elizondo's right. So working there with is Space this, Force, this, you know, so on and so forth. So there is this, you know, information that, that they're slowly leaking out there. Yeah. I mean, look at Colonel Blanchard. Colonel Blanchard yeah. <laughs> was Roswell Air Force Base. He was in charge of Roswell Air Force Base. You know, Walter Hutt came out with, you know, RAF captures flying disc, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And then immediately they, they retracted it the same day. Basically said, Colonel Blanchard, you don't know what you're talking about. You can't tell the difference between, you know, a balloon and a UFO. <laughs> Jesse Marcel, who was a crash, a crash retrieval specialist, doesn't know the difference between, you know, uh, a balloon and you know, a UFO. So... What happened? Apparently, to neither does the military because they said it was a saucer. So right, yeah. but <laughs> yeah, but so so Colonel Blanchard had to retract and say, "Oh yeah, it was a high altitude balloon." So what happened to Colonel Blanchard? Well, Colonel Blanchard is buried right behind me in my backyard. No, actually, the Air Force Academy is, is over here this way. So yeah. he's buried in a cemetery at, at the Air Force Academy. He's got a beautiful monument to his name. He died a four-star brigadier general. Mm. Now, how can someone so inept that can't tell the difference between a balloon and a flying saucer yeah. make it to a four-star brigadier general? He's t- told the line. Well, he he played the game, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, now, these Bob guys are not Lazar, playing the game. <laughs> now, Bob Lazar, for the longest time, and, and even this little chat I was on yesterday, people are dissing Bob Lazar, but and, and Stanton Freeman was saying, no, he's not a physicist and he's a liar, da da da. And then there was that one instance where one of the companies that Bob Lazar worked at that they denied he ever, ever worked for, they mm-hmm. found one phone book from one quarter. And it had oh, his knee I just talked to Jim Goodall yesterday. So did we. We Jim have an Goodall episode said, coming out shortly yeah. with Jim. He tells that exact yeah. story. So he yeah. said that he found his W two or W. Yeah. And then when he went to the naval li- or the uh, government library, whatever, presented it to somebody that was high up. They the guy shredded they, it, yeah, yeah. passed them out, and said, "If you ever come here again, you'll be in serious trouble." Yeah. Right? Yeah. So there you are. So so even though you know some of the people in the chat yesterday were disinvolved are. I had a chime in and said, well, you know, it turned out he did work at one of the companies that said he never worked at. So you're right. going to have to leave that option open because yeah. he may not be lying or maybe about everything, but right, right, right. You know, he, that someone is keeping you know, a, a secret. 
Well, yeah. you know, I, I, right before 9-11, I do believe it's the day before 9-11, uh, when Ronald uh, Rumsfeld or Donald Rumsfeld uh, came out and said that he had looked and audited the Defense Department and it was over $2 trillion missing, unaccounted for, can't find it. Then you have 9-11 that took place, and then that story just disappears. Uh, interesting, uh, Tim Burchett the other day was talking about, you know, um, it's all about aliens that he thinks that the population should know. And then he mentioned really, you know, something that was really interesting when the reporter was trying to cut him off to ask a question, and he kept talking. Uh, if you listen to him, he said, you know, that they audit the DOD every year and every year they come the short money. $1 billion every year there, yeah. Oh, yeah, of taxpayer dollars. They're like, yeah. let's just put this in perspective. Let's say you work for the cartel, right? <laughs> and the cartel gives you a hundred billion dollars and you return that, but you don't, you can't account for $1 billion. Yeah. What do you think the cartel's like... going to do to you? Well, you, right? want, you want to hear something about Donald Rumsfeld? Yeah. 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 So at the time of 9-11, um, I, I, uh, I knew a guy that worked at NORAD, and the day of 9-11, I think it was Rumsfeld, had them running scenarios of airplanes hitting buildings. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard, heard that or not. Yeah, I've no. heard about this before. Yeah. There's, so, a, there's a whole uh, documentary that gives that's a really good, makes you question, like, wait a minute. First of all, yeah. really? Now we're talking about... We're talking about you know cover-ups and UFOs, but yet right be, right in front of our own nose, noses, and they're the covering up, you know. And I'm not going to go into 9/11 or anything, yeah, but yeah. there was a third airplane that you know that crashed. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Um, people, I happened to be working at a microchip company at the time, and we were listening to stuff live, and it turned out that one of the engineers' sons worked at the Pentagon. And um, but he wasn't there at the at the Pentagon the day that the Pentagon got hit. But he told his dad, "Oh, by the way, we did shoot one down. We had to shoot one of our own aircraft down." And da 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 da. And you never heard about that. But then, if you look at if you remember the wreckage, right? Actually, the day it happened, the fuselage and the cockpit were a good three miles apart. One was impacted in a pond, and one was impacted somewhere else. Which, if you hit something in the ground. Yeah, and the chances of part of the airplane traveling three miles away. It's so if good. something hit it in the air, that's just based on, you know, mm. what I heard and, you know, what I heard from this guy. He said, he, you know, his son. So there's a lot of information just with 9-11 that is totally out of our control. And, it, and and if someone someone in there does know exactly what happened and the whole bit, if they came out and said, da 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 I don't know. I mean, you know, would they disappear? Uh, well, it's just safe to say that there's no there's no good track record between us general population and the government. The government no longer is elected to govern the people. It's there for its own self-interest. And the people yeah. that are in, whether it's Canada or the United States, you can see what it is. It's all the political agenda is to line up their own pockets. And they used to hide this. You know, they used to be good at this. Old politicians, my hat's off to them. They did their dirty business behind closed doors. Now they're just wide open about it. They were right in front of our faces, and there's nothing we can do about it. No, no, right? No. So even this whole disclosure thing, as much as I have, you know, faith that this, it, I still put all my my eggs 
in one basket, and that's for the military men and women that are coming forward that are telling us what's happening. If we focus on the upper echelons to come forward and tell us what they know, we're just holding our breaths. That's not going to happen. There'll be disinformation. But there's people, us, who volunteer for the military, and it's us, we, the people in the military, that encounter these things, that have to go retrieve these things. We come home with having to deal with this told to shut up not we as a, as if i did mm -hmm. anything i'm just saying we the people right. um and that is the biggest insult it's just not you told to shut up but then you can't tell your mom that you know for a fact that entities exist and that we're not alone you're not allowed to say that and you know i'm not we don't get into big conspiracy theories too much out there but to be honest you know the track record of the states having programs in place to learn how to manipulate and to control their own population gives you the understanding that the whole land of the free is completely that's that's not real. Well, it's a facade, man. It's well, a well, facade. American. You're not First free all, at all. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on a second. Yeah. The positive side now is social media and podcasts yeah. like like this now. You know, we all have phones capable of taking video and pictures. Um, so it, as it turns out, due to social media, the information cannot be contain as much as it yeah. used to like mm -hmm. back in the old days when you had three channels on your tv set and you know within a couple of seconds it's 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 all over the place and they know that and now um are the next are the new generation the current generation of fighter pilots and military have decided to go hey look that doesn't make sense i'm going to start releasing this stuff on my own which they have been you know they've been shooting this stuff with their with their you know their cell phones and then you know releasing it on their own too so it's a different generation than it was back in the you know 40s and 50s that's well because we just came out of world war ii that's, you know but i think after vietnam and the way that a lot of the soldiers were treated during vietnam um even with my two sons you know that that are in the military you know the, the thinking is 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 different now it's it's not yeah. so much focused on you know direct orders as it is you know, oh, how's it going to affect everybody else? I have, a, I have a question for you. Yeah, real quick, question. Marquise, before you go, uh, 1971 Marduk wants to ask Chuck, uh, if you've been a government contractor, doesn't this new legislation require you to turn over materials to Arrow? Maybe you could do that in a positive sense to help the movement, right? Technically, oh. sign NDAAs. You can approach Arrow and say, hey, I know some stuff. Arrow would lose it. Well, you never know, got it. Someone else's problem, as per Kirkpatrick. But yeah, yeah. could you not play with that since you're on the well, line? Me, me personally, the government contract that I've been on um, benefit our soldiers. Let's just say that it benefits our military. Um, some most of stuff, and then I wouldn't talk about that because then they would put put our military, our men and women at a risk. You know, it had nothing to do with UFOs. That might be a whole different thing. You know. If I knew about UFOs and stuff, what I know about UFOs is is nothing directly related to any company I've ever worked. With. So it would have to happen while you were in the like doing the duties of your job, and then it would be fair game for them. Right, right. I mean, uh, you know, I'm also a UFO system, hunter. Here's yeah, a you know, if I was if I was testing a lidar system out in the middle of nowhere, you know, for a company, and I wouldn't be, but you know, and then I saw something and. And they were recording it and analyzing it. Maybe I may have to sign non-disclosure for that. Could I whistleblow that or not? You know, it's hard to say. But 
as a UFO, UFO investigator, what I've done in the past 20, 25 years is I broke completely away from the corporate entity completely. Um, I went as a consultant. I'm an S-Corp. My website is an LLC. I don't do salary games anymore. I quit doing that just because of, well, more of all, there's more opportunities when you're not tied, you know, as a salary person. But it gives me the freedom to, to say and do what I want. Now, uh, I, I can talk, I, I talk to you all day. Okay, so fine. I, I'm an IC mass design engineer. I designed this, I designed that. And people ask people, who do you work for? Well, I work for Zukowski Consulting. That's who I work for. Well, what company you're contracting for? Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry, that's a non-disclosure. You know, yeah. I, I, I sign non-disclosures in cases where I can't tell you who I'm working for because I'm working for myself. But like I said, a lot of this stuff, um, I shouldn't say a lot of it has military. Most of it is is commercial sailor stuff. I worked for, you know, uh, you know, Motorola and a bunch of other places. You know, and cellular data, cellular phone technology is very, very proprietary to different yeah. companies. You know, and all that, Apple and everybody else, and Intel, and so you know, that's what I've been involved with, but nothing in the UFOs, but that's a really good question because I've never actually had to play with that thought, you know, where I, I learned something while I was, you know, the yeah. only thing I just told you that I learned while I was working at a company was an engineer telling me that his son said that we shot one down, but that doesn't yeah. mean anything, right? That'd that's be just, so easy for them to throw say. away too. Yeah, Anecdotal. That'd be so easy for them to just throw away as well. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The big claims are barely getting taken seriously. Anything right, right. shy of Grush, I don't like its chances. Right, but, but you know, as a UFO investigator, I've heard so many conspiracy theories. Some of them, maybe not a theory, you know, yeah. some of them pretty good. You know, um, I had a, a chance to, to interview uh, John Lear, you know, from... Oh, wow. Yes, yeah. Really? Yeah, 37 category aliens or 50 or something like that. Well, I tell you, that guy is something else. And he had some yeah. good stories. And he's, you know, former CIA pilot. Uh, but he, you know, we had a really good conversation. And, and like I said, uh, JD Barnes uh, was the the, uh, the the radar operator. And, you know, we had a really good conversation. So I know these guys know more than they can tell you. And when you're interviewing face to face, you can. And I'm very good at reading people's faces, maybe not, you know, via a camera, but, you know, I can tell if someone's kind of, you know, bouncing from the truth or maybe not telling me everything. I've, I've learned it over the years. So when I talk to these guys, you know, I'm going, yeah, they know more than they're telling me, but, you know, they've signed documents. So, you know, they can't tell, tell me everything, but I know they've been there. You know, yeah, I know yeah, they've experienced yeah. things and, and eventually all this stuff's going to come out. It's because of you guys. It's because of the, your viewers that are listening and watching this, you know, it's what they do next. It's what, you know, when they see something, you know, you know, who are they going to tell? They're going to keep it to themselves. They're going to get it out there. They're going to hit it social media. The more we get it out to the social media, look at the TikTok, right? I mean, that's sure, that yeah. It's like wildfire. One more comment from our chat here, Chuck. Uh, so it's from Direct Perception. The question is, knowing what Chuck knows, would he encourage inexperienced and unprepared people to go out at night and invite these things into their lives? <laughs> oh, hell so no. no. <laughs> Messing with uh, CE5 uh, and all this no. stuff. What do you no, think? No, no, no. Let's do it. No, do it. No, um, 
okay, I'm an idiot. You know, and that's all there is to it, okay? You know, when I first started doing this years and years ago, and I have a family, a wife and three kids, and I would tell my wife, I said, okay, I'm taking off. I'm going to be in this area by myself till about three o'clock in the morning. If I'm not back by five, call the police, you know, the general area. I mean, that's what it was. You can ask my wife. You know, that's exactly how I did it. Um, I didn't want to put anybody else in danger, but, you know, I was, I'm not, I don't know if I'm so much obsessed with it as, as more curiosity of learning truth of something that maybe I've always known. I've been in situations where I shouldn't have made it out, basically. Um, I just lucked out and you know, was able to get out of situations. And, and because of my experience of doing it for so long, you know, um, I was able to, to think of other ways to get out of situations. It'd be, you know, and the other thing too is I'm one of the few people you can walk behind and scare. I just, you know, because I'm constantly looking, you know, and, and I've, I've been doing that for years now. When I'm driving, my wife's always yelling at me because you're always looking around. I'm going, well, yeah, I'm always- Situational awareness, right? I, yeah, I'm so aware of my whole surroundings. And so, you know, you don't get caught, caught up on anything. Yeah. What I would suggest for people that, that like to go out and do stuff, bring a buddy with you always, and then bring some protection with you too. You know, uh, if you don't like guns, that's fine. Uh, buy some uh, bear spray, you know, like bear pepper spray. I say bear spray rather than the little containers that you can buy at Walmart is because it'll shoot a 20 foot stream. Right. Right. And if there's, and I'm more afraid of the knuckleheads out there that, you know, half baked knuckleheads out there that may attack you or do something. There's a lot of bad people out there. Uh, and maybe not intentionally bad, but, you know, circumstances causes them to be bad. And I'd run into them when I was a deputy. So uh, pepper spray is good. Keeps those guys away. Keeps the bears away. Uh, and <laughs> mountain lions too, if you have to use it. But, you know, by all means, go out there, you know, uh, make it a nice night. A couple lawn chairs, sit in an area where uh, where there might be some new up activity that you've heard of in the past or just where it's nice and clear at night and Star Wars and have a friend there and maybe play some music in the background to kind of enjoy yourself and have a camera ready. And then please, if you see something in the sky, do not shoot it in photo, shoot it in video. Uh, there's not anything we can do with these pictures we get that have a light dot in the sky. Yeah. We really can't do anything with it. It's, it's what we see happens. Okay. You know? So you know, go right to video and shoot video, try and get some background in trees, mountains, something to give us a perspective of how big the thing is and where it's going and stuff you like that. You get so that. many more slides that way through video, right? It's, the video is just a million pictures. Well, yeah, yeah. And then you get a better perspective of what the thing's doing. The yeah. main thing is, and I've got some video clips, you know, on my website of, of you know, when we were on a cruise. When, when I go on a cruise and I have a balcony, uh, I'll sit at the balcony like two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning for about 30 minutes and randomly shoot 30 second segments in the sky with my night vision camera. I think one carnival cruise, I shot like 90 segments. segments. This last one, World Caribbean one, I probably shot about 60. I've captured stuff. Just just blindly shooting in the sky. Um, I've captured some pretty cool stuff. All you gotta do is get out there and look. Hmm. And you'll be amazed what you can see. Even a regular pair of binoculars at night will really light up the, the night sky for you. You'll see all the stars and you know it's pretty cool so we question. should uh yeah go ahead marquis we'll, we'll get, la the last yeah. thing i'll say at all i just i really want to know the, why care 
like th this field is important to us. I've had experiences. I'm curious. I want to know the truth. But to somebody who has no interest in this phenomenon whatsoever, the average citizen, why care? And do you think that the that this is an issue that is relevant to humanity, or do you think it's something that's more along that should stay along the fringes where people fringes, where people with curiosity can just explore the truth about the nature of existence? Because my personal perspective is this is of the utmost importance to humanity versus it's just interesting kind of phenomena like ghosts or Bigfoot or this is big, like civilization changing. Why, why care? Well, I think it depends upon the person, unfortunately. You know, if you're brought up a certain way, maybe your religious background or whatever, you're not going to care because you've already set your blinders on and you know, exactly, I'm not saying anything negative about these guys. Right. You know, believe that the earth is only 5,000 years old, but that's what they believe, and everything else, forget it. You know, that's what they believe. And you know, I'm all for being whoever you want to be and believe what you know that you know that's who you are, it's your life, do what you want to do, you know, and 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 you know, go forward and be happy. Um, so those guys, you're never going to, you know, they're all very they already know the direction they're going in. Then you have the other people that, eh, you know, all I care about is going into work and having Starbucks and, you know, right. and what that, and they really don't care. You know, I, I saw some of those chats yesterday on this other podcast. I was just reading some of these guys. I'm thinking that these, these scientists and Frank Kembler were really talking some good stuff. And these people are like, yeah, yeah, these guys, I don't know if they know what they're talking about. You know, social media is really kind of, brought out you know some of the stupidity in us you know where, where you get some people that you know yeah. they, they, you know they don't think Trolls. about it they got to realize that yeah this is a big game changer because everything that we thought of all our life about being here on this planet even back in Copernicus days where you know everything the planet was flat well we know it's now flat even still today people believe right. the flat yeah, that's still that oh my gosh right yeah, it's that's insane. okay right. that's what they yeah. want to believe you can't right. convince them, but that's okay. Sure. I'm all for it. You know, be be whoever you want to be. I prefer me, my personality is I personally know there's life outside this planet. My job is to prove it that it's visiting this planet. I don't care, you know, uh, at this point how many aliens are here or how many have been visiting and uh, you know, or or you know, how long the cover-up has been. Uh, my focus is to find the evidence to prove that that we are being visited by extraterrestrials that's my job that's that's something that i have to right. feel for myself and i believe you know because we made it such a big deal about this debris and yet the the one of the, the largest news sites just blew us off mm -hmm. and here we had physical evidence what was their thought process what were they thinking they weren't thinking the greater good. They weren't thinking, oh my God, these guys have got stuff. Click. It's clicks. An actual it's about clicks. UFO. It, it is a UFO. The debris that I showed you earlier is a UFO. It was, I was told by experts that whatever cause that was flying, was exploded, did explode, and that's debris from it. Now, I can't tell you it's extraterrestrial, but I can tell you right now it's unidentified. <clears throat> so that's a piece of a true UFO that I, guys, I showed you earlier. Some people just yeah. don't care. They're like, eh. Yeah, their no, paradigm they, they can't <laughs> handle it. They know what that would entail. Most people no. are just full with what they've already got. So and what amazes me is a lot of the people like that are really in the Mandalorian and Star Wars and stuff, they totally have a disconnect of, of, of yeah. outside that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Go outside and just 
take off, take off the stormtrooper helmet and walk out there. And <laughs> and my God, I can say that because I dealt with these guys at, at uh, you know, Comic Con when I was at Comic Con for a few years. I, I was talking to them. I go, dude, just just go outside, you know. Yeah. Touch grass. Let's go around the horn here, boys, before we close off. We'll go Marquise and then Jason. So final thought, Marquise, or comment, question, whatever you want. This is your Well, your first win. of all, it was it was really awesome having an opportunity to talk to you, Chuck, and hear you talk, like actually be in the presence digitally. Um, so that's my my one of my thoughts. The other thought I want to say is I personally think my that, head get like this big. Uh, no, hey, hey, come on, man. <laughs> Look at your work. I mean, it speaks for itself. Think about what I, I just started like a year ago. And looking at somebody who's done as much as you've done, you can't you can't tell me it's not monumental. Like your your impact in this field and the world itself is is big. Um, and then of course my personal thought to the question that I asked you is that I think that is this is the of the utmost importance to us all. Um, even if you just believe there's an alternative energy source for producing 500 Gs with no visible means of propulsion or right. heat signature, which is phenomenal. That means that they're accessing something, some form of energy that doesn't relieve any kind of environmental impact whatsoever. Revolutionize society. If you believe that, that's one aspect. The other aspect is there's, another, there's at least another civilization of people that are not engaged with the rest of humanity on this planet. doesn't matter whether they're out there or they've been here the whole time, which is what I think. I think that at least one of them has been here forever. That's a big deal. Like, mm -hmm. we're again, we're talking civilization changing information um, personally. And I think that it is the utmost. I think everybody needs to pay attention to this because the world isn't going to just pass you by. You're going to be dragged by mm -hmm. what this and what this yeah. phenomena is. The, re oh, the revelations of this phenomena are going to be. And so with that, that's my final thought. And I mean, we're getting them. dragged with the politicians. Yeah, and that's just our level. It's something is so far above us. You know, I yeah. uh, can't yeah. even imagine, you know, yeah. absolutely. Where they charcoal brisket, according to Tim Burchett. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And, and I was going to say, yeah, this, this, um, this issue is bigger than our government, governments and militaries. Those are just human made installations, people that we elect to, to protect us. But this issue supersedes that because now it affects the individual. Um, whether you're an abductee or maybe your kid's going to be an abductee. Like either way, eventually this situation, like you said, Marquise, is going to bust the door open, grab you off the couch by your hair and drag you out of the house. <laughs> and there's nothing you can do about it except saying I should have been more prepared. Right. Because, you know, this does affect us on every aspect of our lives. You know, you'll go to the grocery store and that's all people will be talking about. And, um, you know, you're seeing it more of a push now. And, more honestly, guys like Tim Burchett, love him or hate him on his political views, he's blunt with the media saying that we're dealing about aliens. Let's talk aliens. People need yeah. to know it's aliens. Did I say aliens enough? Like <laughs> we're getting it. Like they're actually saying, like, you know, it, uh, with the slogan of the podcast is, Are you paying attention? And that's all it takes for a person to just sit there for a second and listen to what is being said until they go, Holy shit. Right. Uh, it wasn't until the movie Phenomenon or the Phenomenon by James Fox came out that awesome. my wife took yes. a liking to the subject. She was scared before. I would talk to her about it. When I shared the movie, she's like, why doesn't everybody talk about this? I'm like, because everybody's an idiot, honey. Like, nobody cares. Right. <laughs> I didn't say it. <laughs> no, no, I didn't say it. But that's, no, I that's agree, what though. I agree. Yeah. Hands down. So not everybody's an idiot. I think some people are just not informed enough. I mean, while I was chatting yesterday, um, and I've been doing this 35 years. This, this, uh, back at call an idiot, you know. 
someone who's not informed, call me a newbie. Newbie. Right? And okay. this is a they, these no. That's an idiot, people. Chuck. That's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, these are people that are in social media that that are more concerned about other people, you know, uh, or you know, what they say. Basically, you know, they're more concerned about you know uh, of of other people following them because they say certain things, or I'm cool because I said this, but this guy called me a newbie. And I'm just sitting there just kind of laughing. I go, how can I respond to that? I'm just not going to, it's kind of stupid. Yeah. And then some other lady, real quick, Kate or somebody, she goes, yeah, Chuck's not even a newbie. He's been around for a while. And uh, they don't deserve an answer, Chuck. Seriously, just let those people <laughs> yeah. die. But, but, the trolls know, need attention to live. You know what I mean? This is yeah, a, wish this them cancer that, and set them off. Like, oh, yeah. This is a guy that, that's it, that that's, sits in our, you put him in a round room, you tell him to sit in a corner, you know? they just can't comprehend that but um yeah yeah i totally there's some people that you'll never be able to convince my wife's a skeptic and she's always you know that makes me a better investigator because i have to try harder right. yep and i'm slowly turning her over after 42 years but uh, <laughs> well proof is different for everybody you know, you could have a body and somebody's going to say it's fake, right? So I don't think we'll ever conclusively agree, but it's definitely a topic worth discussing more. And uh, to put it in the words of our friend Darcy Weir, Canadian filmmaker, Darcy. UFO Twitter is a cesspool of assholes. <laughs> that I almost fell out of my chair. I cannot say it better. So if Darcy's listening, that's for you, buddy. Uh, anything else from you guys? Anything you want to interact? Anybody in the chat room? I just want to say hi to James. My son's watching this upstairs. He's 11 years up, old. James? And uh, he's watching this for the for the first time. He said he was going to watch and he wants me to send him a, a shout out. So if he's right. still awake at this time, then hi, James. We don't James. do many of these. This is our second. Uh, the first one we just did kind of goofing around. We wanted to comment on yeah. David Grush and Stephen Greer. And we had a looming uh, interview with Ralph Blumenthal that, uh, for whatever reason, didn't pan out. And we're not in the business of kissing ass either. So... Um, yeah, that was our first real live. And here we are with our second. Happy to have Chuck. And it's, it's cool. a blast. You know, our audience have been with us the whole time here. I think we had oh, like last time we got 50 this time, but we got a super chat. So, hey, that's what counts. Yeah. What's where the that's money is. Counts. And, you know, it's it's people like Stephen Greer. I mean, I've, I've, I've dealt with Greer in the past. And there's a lot of things I don't agree with him. But Was know, it on a dating not... app or anything like that? <laughs> Just saying. No. <laughs> Sorry, no, I couldn't I'm resist. More... I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I won't even go there. <laughs> he's pretty muscular. He's a muscular. He's guy. a pretty. He's pretty jacked. Yeah, he's a good-looking guy. Some men may think so. Yeah. yeah. No, just, you know, we we deal people with with Greer or even Staten Freeman or or Don Schmidt or people. These are these are biggies that you know that really know their stuff. But you know they they still have their own opinions, their own own ideas. And when I first started doing this, um, I decided, yeah, I got tons of books and stuff. And 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 I and I your readers or your listeners or viewers out there, however you know the format is, or whatever however you want to do it, you know, it's up to them to maybe pick up a book or 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 maybe listen to more of these chats and stuff and and learn a little bit more and, and so they can figure out what's going on. And then when they want to go out and look, they're you know, they're more experienced and better ready for it. But go your own path now you know i haven't proved aliens are here yet I'm, I'm, so i'm still traveling down my one little path if i follow greer's he hasn't proved it yet if i follow yeah. schmidt's he hasn't proved it yet you know i mean 
so you you got to find your own path and, and stay to your own path, and we'll see who you know gets to the finish line first. Um, I've had some pretty cool experiences. I personally know, based on my experiences, that life exists outside this planet. I can't prove it, but I'm very comfortable with it. I've had enough um, evidence from ghost investigations to prove that life exists after death because I communicated with. Now I'm a little more comfortable with death where I never was before because I communicated with it. Now I'm thinking, whoa, another dimension, another da-da. That's a whole other podcast, but the more and more you do this, the more you become comfortable, not only with yourself, but life in general. And it makes you want to step further and further and further to learn more and more and more. It's fun. Yeah. Suspend awesome. judgment, as Jacques Vallée would say. Keep an open mind. None of us know. There are no UFO experts. Anybody no. who's calling themselves that, you need to run. Yeah. Yeah. And if their evidence yeah. is, hey, just trust me, I know what I'm talking about. Trust me, also girl. run. Trust oh, me. Red flag. Anybody that says, yeah, I know it all. Definitely a red flag. Oh, exactly. call, if you pay me five guys, if you give me five thousand dollars, I will tell you all of my secrets. Hey. Also, download my app. The truth is out there. Um, Doctor Doors app. It's five bucks if you a month if you want to you know learn the truth. Um, hit me up. Click here for Marquis's oh, yeah. newest T-shirts as well. <laughs> I yeah. always like to say that you know I know all the questions, but none of the answers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well said. Well said. All right, gentlemen, we'll call it a night. Does anyone else have anything for the good of ufology or this one show? One last in thing for everybody. Got to tell you guys something. One thing for those of you listening, and this is to Chuck's point and also Louis' point, the, the idea that we're looking at this phenomena, looking for evidence and proof, the, the issue is that there's plenty of evidence. There's there's very little proof. Um, it takes a little bit of inference to, to find some kind of or some resemblance of truth with this phenomena. There are, if you will, there's thousands of years of information about something contacting human beings that's not from here. Now, the question is, what is that thing? And I think that when we're looking at the history of human, the human history, just all of us, there are plenty of, of inferences you can make about contact. And you can't, again, proof is very, very, it, proof is what varies between person to person. But evidence is littered throughout human history. Look for the evidence and make your own inferences. I think that's where the yeah. truth is. And as long as you're, you know, you're satisfied with yourself, that's what matters. You yeah. know, it's not your job to prove anything to anybody else. It's your job yeah. to prove it to yourself. And once you're happy in the direction you're going, you're there. You know, you don't have to worry about anybody else. Let them find their their own way. You know. That's right. Yeah. Most people that have had legitimate experiences don't care what you think regardless. They know what they saw. You know, you're not changing their mind. And the people that are the heavy, heavy debunkers who won't even admit there's a phenomenon, you're not changing right. their mind. So again, same. Yep. Yep. Final word, Jay? Uh, you know what? I had a blast, guys. This is a great way to spend yeah, an man. evening, like I said, uh, spending time with you guys and just being able to to talk about this phenomenon openly. This is what one of the things I love about this podcast is we could just delve right into it. We don't need to warm up the audience. The audience is already as well informed as we are. We get to just dive in and get right to the meat of the issues. And, and that's what I love. That's what we need more of and collaboration. This is one thing that I, I'm noticing more and more is especially as um, more whistleblowers are coming forward, there's gonna be divide and conquer. There's people that are gonna see a lot of money symbols and signing exclusives and there's going to be yeah. it's going to be a mess because humans are messy so this is going to be messy but yeah stay the course 
You know what I mean? Uh, grab the bits of information that you need for your research and your understanding of the phenomenon and check everybody out. Look at their work. Uh, Chuck, if you haven't heard of Chuck, definitely look into Chuck UFO nut. Uh, he's got, uh, I think it's UFO nut.com is your website, right? Chuck. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he's a brilliant writer as well. He writes all of his investigations. You get to anything he does, he'll basically run you through the whole investigation process. And if you want to be a UFO investigator, <laughs> this is the guy to follow yeah. because he'll Great teach you how to do the process. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, guys, seriously, big thank you from Louie and I. This is awesome. It's been a great night. Yep. And for everyone in our audience, uh, let us know what you thought of the show. Drop us a comment. If you did like it, give us a thumbs up. And if you haven't subscribed yet, what are you doing? You're hanging out with us. Subscribe to our channel. Right, just our do it. Join we don't us. really advertise these in advance. We decide we're doing a live like tomorrow night at 630. Okay, so you're getting 24 <laughs> hours notice. If you want to be notified, subscribe to our channels. We'll make sure you know. And uh, we respond to everybody's comments, emails. Check us out. UAPstudiespodcast.com. We're everywhere. YouTube, Apple, uh, Spreaker. I mean, uh, we're on Audible. If you want to have a nice bath and listen awesome. to us yeah, instead of awesome. an audiobook. That's so cool, man. We're there that's for so you. Cool. So, and we are like crazy close to a million total plays. Jay, I asked you for the numbers from Spreaker the other day. I've added up Spotify, YouTube, the Onyx Network, and all of our affiliates. Last calculation a week ago was 975,000. We were oh, only wow. 25,000 plays away. Wow. And we probably got 15,000 plays just this week. So wow. we are this close to a million plays. I can't believe it. Number we'll one, baby. You. Let's go to number this one. This is amazing. Yeah. I don't know. After this podcast, we're going to start subtracting them. Oh <laughs> yeah. Let's hope we pull 25,000 plays tonight and we'll just do it. It's called so the Zakowski effect. Send this to your oh friends. We need the clicks. But yeah, and we don't need it for money. We're not, we're not, you know, you watch all of our shows. You don't have to stop in the middle and watch a commercial. Don't know if you've noticed that, yeah. but we're intentionally doing that. We don't want to make you buy coffee and t-shirts. We may sell t-shirts just for fun, but we're not doing this to make money. This was a, a passion project for the love of it. We've made some really good relationships with our audience, both savant geniuses, brand new people to the field. We can call on a 35-year veteran like Chuck Zukowski with a day's notice, say, hey, we're hanging out tomorrow night live. You want to come? Yeah, I'll be there. And oh. same as our buddy Marquis. So this is all for the love and for the dialogue. And uh, our viewers are definitely a part of it. We uh, we see what you're writing. We see every time you comment and say, you're my favorite podcast or definitely top five. Check these guys out. We see all of it and we can just say thank you and we'll keep doing our best. We'll put the best show we possibly can. You'll always get 110. You may not like the guest, not when it's Chuck, of course, but it, you know, okay, some people are polarizing. We want to yeah. hear their perspective too. Um, not so much debunkers. Debunkers are a tough one, but. But we love you all. That's basically what I want to say. And uh, we'll see you all again soon. Thanks for joining us tonight. Hey, guys, if you have any questions at all, just go to my website, ufonut.com, and email me. Right on the top of my, my website is a place that says email. I'll answer any questions. I, I pretty much answer every one of my emails. It may take a couple of days if I have a lot of them. Now, but... Nice. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, guys. This was, this was all fun. right, gentlemen. You guys have a great night. We'll talk to you. And thank you, everyone in the chat room. Feel free to keep sending love back and forth. There's some deep convos going on. Uh, we love you all. And we'll see you again next time. Bye now.